Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, you voted for it, so you've got it. It's our Sabuki Halloween special, and it is Murder on the Line. Oh, very exciting. Love a super thriller. This one is going to be good. Oh, my God. Thank you, listeners, for uh, choosing it. Um, No, thank you to everybody (laughs) who told us that they voted for the one with Nicholas Morrow because they wanted us to get all angry. (laughs) Yeah, we, we saw you. We saw what you did. <laughs> did. I mean, we get it. And actually, I kind of applaud your commitment yeah. to riling us up. But, um... <laughs> but at least but... we get to postpone any Nicholas dealings for a while. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh, it will happen. Um, oh, it will. And uh, spoiler alert, Pi Beta Alpha Sisters, you might be getting a taste of Nicholas tomorrow sooner than you think. <laughs> sooner than mm. anyone thought, to be honest. Sooner <laughs> than anyone wants. <laughs> also true. Well, um, we will get started as usual with taglines and blurbs. Uh, they are quite amazing. Now, there isn't a cover tagline, but there is a back cover tagline, and it is Eavesdroppers Beware. Oh my God, so sinister. This is amazing. <laughs> and so apt. <laughs> true. You love an apt tagline. It doesn't always happen. No, sometimes it's quite abstract and random. Mm. Yeah, and it could apply to like 90% of the books. Well, can you share the uh, back cover blurb? I sure can. Okay, let's do this thing. Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield are looking forward to another summer as, as interns. Oh my God. They're, but they're still juniors somehow. What is <laughs> happening? I actually was wondering, was this meant to be the same crime-filled <laughs> summer as the last one? But no, see, I think, yeah, no, I think there's like maybe, this might be the third or fourth super thriller, but I think up until this point, all those other ones were over the same summer. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Really? Like it was a jam-packed summer. I don't know why their parents <laughs> let them back to this fucking place, but anyway. <laughs> so, I just can't stop them sleuthing. They just can't be stopped. And, okay, we didn't even get through the first sentence here. Um, so yes, Elizabeth, long as, as interns at the Sweet Valley News, Elizabeth can't wait to get to work as a reporter. Jessica can't wait to spend time with the gorgeous new editor. Who is like, he's literally like 30. He is, uh, yes. Then Jessica discovers that a cross-telephone line allows her to eavesdrop on other people's conversations and overhears plans for a murder. Uh-oh. Oh my God. <laughs> Elizabeth thinks Jessica's imagination is working overtime until the body of a teenage girl washes up on the beach. The police make a connection between the girl and a local drug ring. Now, I don't think they do. No. I mean, the police are useless as ever. And now they've actually got a corrupt cop in their room. It's, you know, as bad as they were, it only gets worse that fucking Sweet Valley PD are just the most useless shower. True. Um, 
Anyway, so yes, uh, Jessica makes the connection between the voice on the phone and someone who works in the newspaper office. When the twins start to get threatening calls at home, it's time to put the killer's plans on hold before he disconnects them forever. <laughs> Excellent phone puns. Love a pun. So pleased with this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what else I love. And that's the cover. Can you describe it, please? Oh, this might be the best super thriller cover, I think. It is um, genuinely it's- amazing. So good. So it's Jessica, like looking very frightened. Um, mm. she looks great though. Like yeah. she gives good scream queen. Um, again, a Cezanne, that French label we mentioned before, a very Cezanne outfit. In fact, I think literally everything like this is in their autumn collection. <laughs> which people this is the thing. Out. It's a great look. It was obviously good at the time. It probably fell out for a while and it's back mm. again because she looks so good. Uh, it's this kind of slightly oversized T-shirt. I'm not sure if it's meant to be white or like a really light kind of lilac color because that mm. could just be the the agedness of this book. Um, but, you know, it looks really nice on her. Nice kind of V-neck. Yes. Uh, she's wearing a floral skirt. It's um, kind of white with these big pink and yellow flowers on it and green kind of leaves. It's It's a really nice outfit. She looks yes. great. And that's not all that's great about this cover, because what could be to our left? Well, this is the thing. What really sells this cover uh, and the reason why Jessica is so frightened is that she's kind of backed up against this kind of like white kind of cobblestone type of wall and being menaced by a shadow <gasps> with its hand raised like it's coming to strangle her. Oh, my God. And actually, this so does bad. happen in the book. It's, you know, it's a thing that happens and it makes for a great cover. And we love it when it's actually directly referencing something in the book. So it's just hitting all the fucking good checkpoints for us here. Also, and I can only see a little bit of it now on mine because my copy has the kind of circular, like the magnifying oh, glass. Oh, yes. Mine does not. going on. So there's, I think there's slightly more detail in your one because it's the kind of full width of the book. So yes. you can actually see what I think is probably for the first time on these covers, like, a look at Sweet Valley itself, the town, which is kind of cool. This is true. And actually, it sort of looks more like um, like I imagine Sweet Valley uh, looking than the book suggests. Because the book, um, this is a spoiler, sort of suggests there's like a downtown area mm. with like 10 story buildings and stuff, mm-hmm. which yeah. it has to be said is not how I visualize Sweet Valley. Whereas what we see in the background here, I mean, she's sort of leaning against like a sort of stucco Mm. wall um as opposed to the part of a glittering skyscraper and uh the building in the background has sort of romanesque arches and uh like a it's like two stories so it looks like it could be i don't know could be a high school or a monastery i don't know it, uh, but there's could be. fields in the background and trees in the background mm, yeah it's almost pastoral or something but yeah, yeah it's got that kind of like like an outdoor mall you'd go to on holiday or something the kind of reddish kind of terracotta roof and all and yeah that kind of like mission architecture style that you see in California like I was just delighted to see like actual Sweet Valley as they have it on the cover which is just really cool true I think and as you say I think this could be the first time we've ever seen it Mm. well the book begins in downtown Sweet Valley on Friday morning and Jessica's already burnt out after working in uh, or interning at the Sweet Valley News for just a fortnight (laughs) <laughs> well you know time passes very strangely in Sweet Valley so who's to True. say what she's been up to <laughs> good point well Liz of course is uh, having the time of her life she's learning loads about journalism but Jessica's more interested in checking out gorgeous guys 
as usual, you know, this this is how she rolls. But um, yeah, she reckons she would have quit on the first day if it wasn't for Bill, uh, mm. because he's so handsome. And uh, this is their recently hired news editor who's responsible for overseeing the summer interns. So he is very good looking. And even mm. uh, Liz has to admit that. But um, yeah, she does also point out that he's literally 30. Yes. And even Jessica says that's too old. Thank God. <laughs> God, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, as yes, of course, Bill has been recently hired, and just going to say now, the hiring practices of this newspaper are appalling, extremely shoddy. unprofessional, very shoddy workmanship. <laughs> um, so apparently, Jessica had been given the choice by Ned and Alice of interning at the Sweet Valley News or doing a full time babysitting job. So basically, she chose the latter of two evils. And uh, that's an excuse for a twin comparison because, of course, Jessica is doing this under duress while Liz is a hard working future news queen. Um, <laughs> uh, but they're both, of course, radiantly beautiful. Of course. When the twins look for a parking place near the western building where the office is, and we're told the construction is taking place nearby of a building that will be known as Fowler Tower. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that has to be a T or UMP reference, doesn't it? Oh, God, it mm. does now that you've said it. Oh, mm. it's ruined it. <laughs> Sorry to put that person into your head where we're all trying yeah. to pretend he doesn't exist. True. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently it's part of widespread remodeling of downtown, bustling downtown Sweet Valley. Jesus, yeah, they're getting fucking skyscrapers and everything down there. It's all kicking off. It really is. Well, and all this building work has disrupted the local f- uh, phone lines to the rage of Sweet Valley News receptionist Rose. Yeah, fair. Like this, this is her job all day long. And now everyone's getting wrong numbers or like she's getting like the the extensions aren't working properly. There's crossed lines. It sounds like an absolute nightmare for poor Rose, to be fair. It really does. So, yeah, she's on the phone to Fowler Core or whatever it's called (laughs) when the twins arrive, giving out to them and saying, you know, their work is causing all this chaos. So on their way to their fucking office. (laughs) <laughs> Woodward and Bernstein didn't have their own office <laughs> Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield as interns yes. get an office of course they do the Wakefield exceptionalism strikes again as has been pointed out by listeners <laughs> <laughs> it has I think this because this one is in the field my own profession that I'm even more outraged like I worked <laughs> on a national newspaper and the nobody had apart from actual like senior editors had (laughs) their own offices (sighs) by the way there is an excuse that they have an office because somebody is on holiday but still as i said woodward and bernstein didn't have their own (laughs) office lou grant mary tyler moore's old job when he had had his own excellent tv series he didn't have his own office because most (laughs) reporters don't there you go. <laughs> okay, like, there's going to be a lot of this kind of anger from you, I think, through this book, isn't there? Oh, there will. <laughs> More to come. <laughs> well, the twins bump into their, uh, the young reporters, Seth and Anita. Mm, they're both hot, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, yes, my notes just say, Seth is a hunk who writes mysteries. Yeah, like... In his spare time, he writes mystery novels, apparently. Um, and Anita, I think all we really know about Anita is that she's pretty and petite with boundless energy. But uh, she doesn't really make that much of an appearance, I don't think. No, she doesn't. Kind of popping in every now and again. Yeah, she. I don't think she even really, I think she has like one line at one stage. <laughs> we are told Seth has an MA in journalism, as do I. Um, so uh, I'm keeping my eye on you, Seth. <laughs> You're realistic. 
<laughs> journal- young journalism activities. Um, so they invite Liz to discuss some ideas because apparently they have boundless time to spend on the 16-year-old intern's amazing journalistic insights when who should appear but Hunky Bill. Ooh. <laughs> Um, yeah, he has a little job for Jessica where apparently he's dictated some story ideas uh, that he wants her to type up for him for um, some meeting this afternoon. And Jessica's just like, oh, God, typing. But uh, apparently Bill is so disarming and the sexy way he rakes his hand through his hair. <laughs> since he's fine. So she's like, oh, I'll get right on. <laughs> so she's all good to go typing for the afternoon. <laughs> oh, yes. My doubts do say the lazy prick gives Jess a dictaphone tape with some story ideas. Like type them yourself, Bill. I know, this guy. Ugh. Um, he also greets them by saying, Hey, Wakefield, ready to rock and roll? <laughs> God almighty. So, yeah, he'll uh, see them at the two o'clock meeting. And in the when the twins go to their office, we learn that Liz is basically Seth and Anita's assistant. She's sort of helping ta- them with their investigations. Fair enough. And Jessica is stuck in the office, kind of doing donkey work, but also copy editing and proofing pages. Like, oh my god, <laughs> who would give her that responsibility? That is literally like that's a whole other job that someone has and gets paid for <laughs> like surely copy editing and proofreading is not something you hand off to the intern like these two don't make a single photocopy the entire time they're here it's the strangest thing it's like surely that's what they should be doing is fucking photocopying shit and making yes. coffee for people <laughs> and sending things to a uh, frank learning how to use a franking machine there you go yeah stuffing envelopes you know all yeah. that good stuff that's what i did when i did work experience when i was 16 well actually it was 17 um or 18 at the Irish Film Institute and Ooh. I thought it would be very exciting working in film and uh, instead <laughs> I was using a franking machine but I got to tell myself oh, I'm next to a cinema so <laughs> did you do any exciting design interns or art interns internships in your I do you know I actually did get to do kind of a cool one uh, because TG Cahar used to use this production studio in like the Gael Talks near where I was living um, so I got to go in there for my work experience in transition year oh um, wow it was actually really cool because they did like an outside broadcast. So I got to go on the outside broadcast with them <laughs> where they were covering because um, TG Cahar would show like basketball games. Yeah. So we went to Cork uh, to broadcast like a basketball game. And my job was to keep an eye on the score so that oh. we could update it for the telly on the little like bug that was <laughs> on the screen when it was actually being broadcast. <laughs> my job. And my name was in the credits afterwards. It was great. That is very <laughs> exciting. It was very cool. <laughs> like, I had to convince myself that my uh, film centre uh, internship was exciting by just telling myself I was using a franking machine next to an art house cinema. <laughs> <laughs> But that's you were literally helping TV happen. I was, yeah, it was very exciting. I mean, to be fair, like that was the the, the most exciting thing from like what a, I don't know two weeks of like sitting in an office and being given <laughs> yeah like boring admin jobs to do. Mm. But that's the bit that I tell people about. <laughs> well, you'd fit right in, Sweet Valley News. <laughs> sure, would have. star reporter. I'm here. <laughs> Who wants basketball scores? I'm all over it. <laughs> Actually, that is kind of what Jessica does later. <laughs> Uh, well Jessica doesn't mind doing her the sort of donkey work because she gets to perv on Bill basically <laughs> it's all good so later I mean this shows how hard working Jessica is and how much attention she's paying to all that copy editing uh, Lila's on the line and she's encouraging Jessica to ditch work and go to the mall <laughs> yeah Lila's gas every so often she just rings Jessica and is like ah forget work come out with me <laughs> really is she does this constantly it's kind of her role in the book which I enjoy 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But even Jessica is like, I've actually only been here for an hour. So no, I can't just leave work. <laughs> it's like, it would have been too much even for her to bail out at this stage. Though she may not leave the office, but she's not planning on doing much work. So she, uh, she starts to ring Amy. But well, something uh, strange happens when she picks up the phone. Yeah, so instead of hearing like a dial tone when she picks up the phone, she can actually hear somebody already talking. Um, So at first she's like, whoa, who's this? What are you doing on my phone? But then uh, this woman just keeps talking like she can't hear her. And Jessica realizes that it's the the phone system that's all messed up, of course. Uh, So she's obviously managing to get in on somebody else's line. Um, So she kind of puts the phone down and wonders how she's supposed to get in touch with her friends and make plans. Um, but then realizes Priorities, actually, priorities. Oh, absolutely. But then realizes, look, actually, this might be a bit of fun. So she picks up the mm. phone again and the woman is still there. So she gets to listen into this whole conversation. Um, and lucky for her, it's kind of a juicy one. So that's it's fun. Cer- it certainly is. It's a woman <laughs> called Maggie who's wailing about her husband, Frank, uh, who gave her such a heavy sapphire bracelet that it, it hurts her wrists with its, the weight of the jewels. But despite his riches, he's no fun. He's twice her age and she's tempted by Craig. Oh my God. It's very soap opera-y and uh, I would say very fun to listen into, to be fair to Jessica. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> because yeah, this guy Craig apparently doesn't have a penny to his name, but has the best body. So Jessica's <laughs> fucking thrilled with all this juicy drama. Um, but then she realises there's somebody standing behind her so she's to hang up quickly and be like, oh, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yes, please let me proofread that page even though I'm a 16-year-old with no attention to detail. <laughs> yeah. Well, when the person who gave her the uh, page to proof comes, uh, leaves, Jessica picks up her phone again and then she hears another person, uh, one of the, the many people she starts listening into and this time it's a man called Junior. Yeah, or at least that's what his mother calls him. Indeed. Uh, because he's just this uh, poor guy that's just being badgered by his mother all day long, it sounds like. Um, she tells him to like stand up for himself and that he'll never get a promotion if he doesn't ask for it. Don't you want to move out of that crummy studio apartment? Um, and he's like, yes, mother. So he's this real kind of pushover guy uh, who's just being given out to by his mom. Yes. Uh, who tells him that he needs a wife and uh, gives out to him about losing whatever girlfriend he had. Uh, and he's just like, oh, I have a meeting to get to. Bye, mother. I'll call you tonight. <laughs> and Jessica's like, oh, my God, this guy is such a sap. <laughs> Well, uh, the next person she listens into is uh, a woman with quite uh, unusual tastes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the next one, she hears a guy answering the phone saying Home Shoppers Club. Uh, so it's this woman phoning in an order from, I guess, some kind of like teleshopping, TV yes. shopping thing. Um, she places crazy ass orders uh, for... She's, yeah, she buys like six poodle cardigans, um, like a faux pearl necklace and earring set, uh, a faux ruby butterfly pendant oh and ring God. set. Like it goes on and on and she keeps buying all these ridiculous things. And Jessica's like, wow, this woman is nuts. She's like, she's a shopaholic herself. But this was ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, we do get to see those poodle garments later. Do they count as an outfit? Um, yeah, well, I marked them as one because there actually isn't a huge amount in the way of outfits no. in this one. I think I only noticed one myself, apart from the poodles. Yeah. Well, Liz arrives and an excited Jessica tells her about the phones. But uh, Liz reminds her, uh, you still have to do your actual work because uh, <laughs> Jessica realises she's literally been eavesdropping all morning. <laughs> and Jessica starts um, typing up uh, Frank, or not Frank, uh, Frank is the bejewel-giving uh, husband, Bill, <laughs> Bill's notes. Uh, but as soon as Liz is, uh, you know, is absorbed in her own labours. Jessica picks up the phone again and uh, Maggie is back on the line. 
asking her friend how she could choose between Frank and Hunky Craig. <laughs> so Jessica is loving this. So at lunch on Monday, uh, Jessica says that um, from what Rose has, has said about the crossed wires, it sounds like she's hearing calls from other people in the Western building. So she keeps looking at everybody, you know, she sees coming and going from the building and wondering if like, is that glamorous woman Maggie? Is that sort of nerdy guy, Junior? Um, and Jessica uh, can't understand why Liz isn't more into this soapy tale. Yeah, um, Liz is just absorbed in uh, in her work. Apparently she has to cut enough words from the story to fit it into, like, again, why the fuck is she editing paper <laughs> stuff to, like, fit? Oh, come on now. But anyway, yeah. Also, all the stuff that Liz works on uh, sounds incredibly boring. Um, it does, it's yes. some story about a benefit to raise funds for a new wing at the Sweet Valley Public Library. Mm. Uh, and Jessica's like, she can't believe that uh, Liz is finding this more interesting than guessing the identities of the people she's been eavesdropping on. And for once, I'm team Jessica here because that does sound like way more fun. <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, as well, like they are only 16, so I can't imagine like I would find it that exciting if they'd let me work in a newspaper at that age to be reporting on the sort of tales Liz is uh, is chasing up. But um, (laughs) Jessica has even more distraction because she sees a mysterious hunk. Yes, uh, some incredibly gorgeous guy in khakis and a striped Oxford shirt uh, approaches the Western building. So he's really tall and blonde, tanned, handsome, like, you know, the usual. Of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, Jessica's like, oh my God, if that's Craig, I'd tell Maggie to go for it. But she realises it's not him because uh, he just walks straight past the woman that she reckons is Maggie. Uh, and then she thinks, oh my God, he's heading right for us. And she kind of sits up straight and like tosses back her hair, ready to catch his eye and flash him the most captivating <laughs> smile. Um, and Liz is like, what are you doing? What's going on here? You don't think he's junior? And she's like, no, of course he's not junior. He's the guy of my dreams. Watch this. And like, it was as usual. Well, Jessica kind of strikes a poser to something that would normally work on guys, but uh, he doesn't notice either of them and just walks straight past them. So she's Aww. very disappointed by this turn of events because normally just like tossing her hair and lowering her lashes does the job, <laughs> but not in this case. No, but she does get uh, some compensation uh, because when she walks back into the building, she overhears a sort of glamorous blonde in front of them tell her friend she was going to leave her husband, but then he bought her a condo so she couldn't say no and it's Maggie it is yeah so she's telling this other friend all about this condo and veil that her husband's after buying for her because she casually mentioned she wanted to learn how to ski so the friend's like oh my god you can't leave him (laughs) and uh, yeah they kind of the the conversation kind of carries on as the girls are behind her and uh, she's like yeah that's what I thought too and I called Craig and arranged a secret rendezvous to tell him (laughs) that it was over but when he put his arms around me and then they kind of go through the revolving doors and Jessica has to stop herself from like running after them to hear the rest of the story and even uh, Liz is intrigued I mean, you'd have to be, surely. (laughs) So uh, Jessica runs up to see if she can overhear Maggie ringing a friend to to reveal what happened next. Mm. Um, So later, she's bored by her actual job. She picks up the phone. And first of all, she hears the shopaholic ordering uh, quite, quite a collection of goods. Oh my God, yes, this woman. I, she must be a hoarder or something because she's just ordering the most random shit. <laughs> yes, she's ordering a Ginsu knife set and then a spandex exercise outfit, one in lime green, one in royal purple, one in bubblegum pink and one in metallic silver. Okay, Jane Fonda. Kind <laughs> of into all these outfits. Same. <laughs> but then she hears another call. 
Some voices she's never heard before. A man is talking to a young woman and he says, Coyote, it's Greenback. <laughs> oh, yes. We have reached the OTG section of this book. Hell yes. <laughs> so Coyote has a message for Greenback and it's in code. <laughs> I want to let you do it though because your gangster voice is so much better than mine. I think we are equally OTG. <laughs> he says, Red fish up the coast highway to point seven. <laughs> Delivery at ten o'clock. Got it? <laughs> Got it. The other <laughs> caller confirms. Wonderful coyote, by the way. Thank you, thank you. We've got to differentiate between our little got OTGs. <laughs> Makes sense. So Jessica is understandably upset by this deeply weird exchange. Um, but Liz, who is trying to get some work done, is like, look, that just sounds like it's a shipping company. They're sending seafood. And uh, Jessica isn't convinced. She thinks it's, you know, it's too weird. Um, so she she just wants to give um uh to 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 give Amy a ring and she hears Green back again. He's talking. Yeah, someone called Rock oh god he's back on the line yeah so that was it because she was kind of yeah she reckoned that Liz's explanation kind of made sense mm. but just it was so dull an explanation she was like no it, it can't be that <laughs> but um yeah she hears Green back on the line again <laughs> <laughs> and he's still speaking in this uh strange sort of impenetrable ways like mm. my cover drops at point three and seven cash up front from hero so she's totally intrigued by all these strange names um and uh she she actually she's her she's musing on what it could be when her reverie is interrupted by bill Uh oh yep she's been caught rotten now just like on the phone again (laughs) so she's like oh shit feeling a little bit guilty but yeah he's handed her or he had given she's been given a story to proof yeah um, yeah exactly he wants to look over it and yeah she hasn't even gotten to it yet um so he's kind of like mm, all right Jess you seem to spend a lot of time gabbing on the phone making dates with all your boyfriends right <laughs> so he's like look just try and squeeze in a bit of proofreading somewhere uh, and he seems actually quite sound about this the fact that he's obviously just caught her skiving yes um so he's like look just you know please get to work and this will be grand and he kind of gives her shoulder a light pat and calls her champ and mm. uh heads off and uh jessica gets a kind of a i knew you'd catch it one of these days look from uh, from liz but she reckons well you know bill hadn't really been mad and she could still feel the thrilling touch on her oh. shoulder <laughs> by the way some could say that the that thanks champ sound a bit otg hmm hmm well, two days later in the lift to work, uh, Jessica and Liz see somebody in the lift wearing a poodle cardigan. Oh my goodness, it's the lady. <laughs> um, so even Liz cracks up at this as soon as they leave the lift. And uh, um, Jessica says, you know, reminds her that she has five more of the cardigans at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now that Jessica has set her eyes on Maggie and the shopping lady, she really wants to find Junior and Greenback. And um, she actually does some some work that day. Uh, but uh, when she goes into Bill's office to hand him something, he's on the phone. So she does a bit of eavesdropping. And while she's doing it, she gazes out the window. And who could she see in the building across the street? 
It's the extremely handsome man that totally ignored her. <laughs> yes, Bangkok. Uh, he's tall and blonde and adorable. Ooh. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, his jacket was off and his sleeves were rolled up. And when he raised one wrist to, to check his watch, Jessica could see that his arm was very muscular. <laughs> I have to give her that, though. You know, there's nothing like a good pair of forearms, forearms in, in, the, yeah. in the shirt sleeves. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a look. Fair enough, Jessica. Fair enough. <laughs> But then, the junior gets off the line. And who should it be? It's Greenback. He's back again. This guy's never off the phone. He's done it as much as Jessica. <laughs> he certainly is. Uh, well, he's also getting threatening because he says, I've trusted you with a special job, Rock. She'll be at the usual place. Greenback's voice dropped to a rough, threatening whisper. Make sure you take care of Rock. <laughs> Don't disappoint me. <laughs> because if they don't find her body floating soon, they'll find yours. <gasps> so Jessica is understandably freaked. This sounds like a murder. It sure does. Yeah, she's properly freaked out by it, which is fair enough. Like, um, And yeah, poor old Rock didn't get a word in edgeways because it was just... The, the call hung up right after that and it's mm. extremely ominous and frightening. So she tries to calm herself down and tells herself it's part of the code, but it's still, mm. you know, it sounds pretty sus. And yeah. she wonders if she should call the police, but she's like, well, what do I tell them? This is so vague. Like, I haven't really heard anything incriminating. And um, so she decides to uh, to keep listening and see if she can glean any more info but then Bill finds her and asks, asks her to do something that an actual intern in a newspaper in the 90s would be asked to do. Very true. <laughs> yeah. He um, he brings her down to the newspaper morgue, which is just a, a room lined with black filing cabinets. So she has mm. to do a load of filing and putting away loads of old articles and photos or find the right place for each of them. And uh, yeah, just to do a bunch of boring filing basically in a dark room. Yeah, which is actually, I mean, I did an internship in a newspaper in 1998 as part of my master's and I sometimes had to basically do that. Now they did have a full-time librarian who was, uh, God, just at the dawn of the internet age oh. still putting stuff on microfiche. So, uh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a normal interns, un- intern job. I used to have to go through finding cabinets full of photos for people and yeah. slides and that sort of thing. Yeah, this is an actual, you know, reasonable intern job, at least, that she's doing now. Yes. So at the end of the day, uh, Liz, having done some actual intern work, she tells uh, Liz about what she heard from Greenback. And Liz says it can't be murder and suggests that Jessica is listening to a soap opera hotline. What even is that? I know. (laughs) Like, is it, is it a, like, is it a hotline that acts out? It's like, that's like a radio soap opera. It kind of sounds like that's what she's suggesting. Because I suppose if you hear the word soap opera hotline, you think it's like, you know, where you just ring up and just chat to other people about a soap opera that you're all watching. Yes. Would make more sense. But, but yeah, that's kind of what she's suggesting. That it's, Like you say, like a radio drama that you have to ring up to hear. Maybe that was a thing. I don't know. Well, kind of like the sound of it if it is. But um, anyway, that's uh, Liz again. For This is not the first time in this or the only time in this episode where Liz is quite on Liz like if you know what I mean like there's plenty mm. of things that seem really suspicious in this book and Elizabeth is like I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation my instincts say this is fine and you know sometimes her instincts are right but normally Liz is the more rational twin 
That's true. She does seem, yeah, she's weirdly uncurious, I feel like. Yes. At a lot of points in this. And it's like, you're the like reporter with your yeah gut feelings and all the rest. And she seems very like, no, everything's fine. There's no need to look into this in a, at a lot of points. And it's like, yeah. yeah, this doesn't really feel like her at all. Well, yeah, she tells Jessica, look, you have no idea who or where this murderer might be. So you can't do anything about it, which I guess is fair enough. But also, you have basically been told that the cross wires are, you know, the, fo- the calls are somewhere in the building. Mm. So if you really thought there was a murderer... You could tell the police about it. Though, spoiler alert, that wouldn't do much good. (laughs) She does say um, that uh, it's incredibly unlikely that you've accidentally uncovered a murder plot unfolding in downtown Sweet Valley, of all places. (laughs) I mean, really? It's like, you have been kidnapped at least twice (laughs) at this stage. So often. You were always being kidnapped. And that's just the fucking least of it. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we also know that this action takes place after somebody has died of a drug overdose. And uh, so I don't know what this, I, they keep saying, like, could this happen in quiet little sweet valley? It's like, yes. Uh, yes, dude. No shit. Your friend literally died from taking cocaine. So yes, there are drugs in sweet valley. <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't get a cameo from Buzz. Oh my God. I imagine just... he wouldn't even need a code name. He'd just be Buzz. <laughs> Paul's working for Greenback. What a crossover. <laughs> well, uh, she, uh, Jessica says she's going to investigate. And remember Liz said that, you know, the messages could just be some delivery company. So she's going to see if there's any delivery services based in the building. And this is mm. like, okay, fine. But Jessica's still worried. So the next day, Elizabeth jokes about, uh, you know, any more murders in the works. Um, but Le- Jessica has to admit that Greenback, she has heard Greenback, but he's just giving orders about deliveries and uh, she has found the names of a few transport companies in the building which like it is seven stories which is high but it's not that high and it seems to have like dozens of firms in it and lots of apartments very true yeah because it seems like the Sweet Valley News have a floor to themselves is kind of Mm. what it seems like it's suggesting and yeah as you say that leaves like six floors for like a shitload of other companies because there's like at least three uh, delivery companies or shipping companies yeah. working out of Western buildings. So like, where are they all squished into? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, it's basically a bit the size of the Watergate building in uh, as far as, you know, its capacity is concerned. <laughs> but uh, yes, she's, uh, she's, she's on the case and her, but her priority is meeting the Bangkok. Oh, yeah. Yes, Mr. Gorgeous, I think, does she call him? She does call him Mr. Gorgeous, yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she's decided she's going to engineer an encounter, ASAP. (laughs) Yeah, she's going to try and time it. uh, So when it's lunchtime that... Oh, no, she can see him. That's it. Yeah, because yes. he's across the way. So she can see him grabbing his jacket and hurrying from his office. So she's like, oh, my God, this is my cue. So she's about to to dash off to, uh, as you say, try to bump into him accidentally on purpose. And uh, just as she's dashing out, Seth comes along and asks the twins to Shay Sam. Another uh, deep cut. Mm, yeah, a very fancy restaurant in Sweet Valley. So mm. like Liz can see that Jessica does absolutely not want to go because she has a man to 
<laughs> I don't know, stalk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jess says she's got plans. And Liz is like, no, she doesn't. We love Chase. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, well, well, that's it. Yeah, when they're actually all decided they're going, Jessica literally like sprints to the elevator to try and get down in time to uh, to run into this guy. But um, when they do get down, I think, onto the footpath, she can they can see him. But mm. yeah, uh, Liz, is, she just watches Jessica do everything to catch his attention, except holler over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he strides off without uh, giving her a, a, a moment's notice. Mm. Well, as they go to Shea Sam, Liz asks Seth about the story he's working on about an extension at the mall and tries to get Jessica involved, basically because she's worried Jessica will get fired for doing no work. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, she's like, it wouldn't hurt if she started taking the internship a little more seriously. <laughs> well, she's not even listening. Your mind is just full of Bangkok, Mr. Gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. She's wondering if he has a girlfriend or not, or what age he is, or is he in college and all this, yeah. Well, you better hope he's, I mean, even in college you'd be too old for you, but... Oh, uh... definitely, yeah. <laughs> well, over lunch, Seth and Liz talk about work and the mystery novels he writes in his spare time for fun, and uh, um, Jessica convinces herself that Mr. Gorgeous will you know, find her irresistible once he sees her properly. And uh, Seth very unconvincingly says he loves journalism so much he wouldn't want to write fiction full time even if he was a big uh, uh, big bestseller very unlike <laughs> most journalists I know very very unconvincing isn't it <laughs> I mean even back in the 90s when you know you could still earn a decent living from it it's like no I just love writing about mall extensions <laughs> that's the thing because he's literally like I love the excitement of working on a newspaper it's like aren't you writing about parking problems like come on dude <laughs> Well, when the bill comes, Seth insists on paying and Jessica notices that his wallet is stuffed with cash. Um, and he refuses to let the girls chip in towards the, the bill. And uh, instead of really thanking him properly, Jessica just runs away so she can catch Mr. Gorgeous. <laughs> she does. And uh, she has actually timed it just right uh, mm. because she's raced the four blocks back four to the... Four blocks uh... in Californian heat. Good luck to you, Jessica. Um, but yeah, she manages to time it right because he's right there coming towards her. Um, so she pauses to toss back her hair and uh, smooth down her dress and she strolls on in her very best traffic stopping style. Oh my God. <laughs> I just, I really want to see what that looks like. Maybe it's, it's a big like stop sign. <laughs> She's just holding a big red light. <laughs> just like a lollipop lady. <laughs> There's your outfit, Jessica. <laughs> little white coat, little hat. I mean, that is literally traffic stopping style. <laughs> oh, now that's the outfit of the episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yeah, all to no avail. Um, and she literally stomps across the road to the Western building. <laughs> She's absolutely fuming. She's like, what on earth was the matter with him? Was he blind? <laughs> Well, she reminds herself uh, that uh, he didn't look too happy. So if he was meeting his girlfriend, why did you jump to that conclusion? That's so weird and random. There must be trouble in paradise. And basically, she's excited about the challenge. This man who doesn't know she's alive. The harder someone was to catch, the more she wanted him. (laughs) That is not normal behaviour. No. Um, so later, Liz gives out to her for doing a runner after being treated to a fancy lunch. Fair enough, because it was incredibly rude. And she doesn't buy Jessica's excuse about, 
Mr. Gorgeous and points out like Mr. Gorgeous Greenback like basically these figures sound like cartoons and uh, she's like, aren't you bored just sitting, you know, listening into phone conversations? And Jessica hates to admit it, but she is getting a little bit weary of, um, you know, hearing the same old, same old, like, Junior being lectured, Maggie's mm. woes and shopping lady. Um, so uh, she stares at the oblivious Mr. Gorgeous, because he's back at his desk, before picking up the phone. And uh, she's in the middle of listening to Junior. And she realised someone's standing behind her. And who could it be? It's Bill again. (laughs) Yeah, she bluffs and pretends she's having problems making a call. And um, he gives her another of his dictaphone tapes because he can't be arsed to type any of his own (laughs) fucking ideas himself. And uh, he says he's volunteered her service to the sports editor, Bob, um, to cover a tennis well, it's a tennis invitational, according to my book. And I had to read that line like three times because I was like, is that a thing? Is it an invitational? I don't even know. I've never heard that word, but I don't know if it's a misprint. That's what it says. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is that like, that it's not a tournament? It's like players are invited to play? I don't know. It sounds like something in the Muppet Show theme, like invitational. <laughs> this is what Muppetational invitational. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I wish. If only. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he wants her to help the sports editor cover this invitational at the country club. And even though it means working at the weekend, which, you know, I know she's not doing any work during the week, but it's a bit much to volunteer her services at a weekend. She's only delighted. Yeah, actually, that's true. I didn't even cop that it's at the weekend. But yeah, mm. like it's, it's a bit much to ask an intern to uh, give up her weekend and yeah. fairness. Like she's not getting paid or anything. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, because he says that he's got other plans this mm. weekend. Jess is like, hot date. Very <laughs> appropriate for your boss. Oh, God damn it, Jessica. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, a hot date with my laptop computer. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so he says he just has to work um, and that, uh, you know, I'm new to this job and I'm still learning the ropes. Um, and Jess is like, oh, I think you're you're a great news editor. And she's like, where were you a news editor before? And she's like, where was your old job? Was it New Orleans? And he's like, no, no, Denver. And he's like, oh, my last job wasn't even at a newspaper. Uh, newspaper work is just one of the fields I've taken a shot at in the last few years. And it's like, so this is the guy that they have handed the reins of the Sweet Valley News to randomly? Okay. He's the news editor. And he's never worked in a fucking paper before. This is actually the thing that set me over the edge. It's like, this paper deserves all the disgrace that should come on it from their, for their shoddy hiring practices. Like, oh yeah, you're a jack of all trades, he calls himself. Oh, you said like, great to be the incredibly challenging job of hmm. news editor. Of course, oh, they didn't anything. make him editor in chief. <laughs> if anything, he's overqualified. <laughs> Poor old Seth there. I know he's only about 23, but like he's got his MA in journalism. Uh, he's worked for his position, to be fair to old Seth, yeah. <laughs> in fairness, I have to say, listeners, that an MA in journalism is, uh, in terms of what you learn, kind of useless. Oh. Um, yeah, you don't learn anything practical. You learn more as an undergraduate working for a college paper, in my experience, but you do get a work placement at the end of it. And in my case, that did get me a job. So, uh, very unfair system. And uh, maybe that's how Seth got in, but at least he's committed to the career. Very true. He's 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 putting in his hours and he's working his way up. So, good he's for you, just Seth. Just a load of random shit before somehow landing this job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, he's a jack of all trades and he mm. reminds Jessica to check with the sports editor and then gives her a little wink as he leaves. And Jessica's loving it. 
No, she's delighted with herself. <laughs> she just wishes that uh, she was working with him uh, on this special assignment instead of boring old Bob. And then she looks over at uh, Mr. Gorgeous in the other building and in what I can only describe as a sinister fashion, she whispers, <laughs> don't worry, I haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> like, oh. chilling. <laughs> totally chilling. <laughs> oh, she is frightening. <gasps> Well, of course, uh, it doesn't take long before she's back listening in on the phone. And uh, first of all, she hears Maggie revealing Craig went down on his knees and begged her not to leave him. And then, who should come on the line? Oh, it's Greenback again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a sinister uh, conversation. Um, It starts out talking about... um, some delivery but then and she's gonna hang up because she's like i don't, don't care about what packets they're delivering mm. but then rock's next word stops her it's done i got all 10 packets over two and then greenback gets enraged <laughs> 10 there should have been more than that greenback's voice became grim i knew she was holding out on us it serves her right he <gasps> snarled oh Jess is chilled and she's trying her best to rationalise it but she's so freaked that when the phone rings she jumps uh, but uh, who could it be? Oh, uh, it's Lila Hooray! Yes, she's back! <laughs> Poor Jess is so freaked out she's like stammering when she answers and she's like Hello? <laughs> oh god Poor thing but yeah it's Lila to the rescue Hooray! <laughs> yeah, yet again she's telling her to skive off and go to the beach It doesn't take <laughs> Jess long to uh, to give in and uh because she wants to leave the deadly crossed phone line far behind. <laughs> I, I like the idea she's saying that deadly in the Irish sense. Being oh. brilliant. <laughs> deadly crossed phone line. <laughs> well, they decide to meet not at their usual Sweet Valley Beach, but at the hitherto unmentioned Castle mm. Cove. Yes, as my notes just say here, Castle Cove. It's new. It's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> also, could it be a little shout out to... Cabot Cove. Oh my God. Yes, I've decided it is. Love it. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so yeah, she says that she's really unfazed about getting into trouble, like for her skiving. True. Yeah, she's just like, eh, it's fine. Uh, she's like, yeah. Or Lila's like, oh, you can always go back to the office later that afternoon. Um, she's like, yeah, it's grand. It'll be fine. <laughs> but at least does, yeah, concede uh, not going to the uh, the usual spot on the beach in case she is actually mm. caught. Uh, out dossing so she does actually suggest Castle Cove for that reason yes uh, she heads off in the jeep listeners we have reached the jeep era the post oh Fiat Spider era mm-hmm. and uh, yeah she leaves a note for Liz telling her to get a lift from Seth and as she heads up the coast she feels the tension melt away so she arrives at Cabot Cove and apparently <laughs> it's a sophisticated scene yeah apparently um a lot of college students and artistic types hung out there like okay (laughs) who are they who knows we are going to meet one artistic type later (laughs) (laughs) listeners uh so jessica is outraged initially because lila just bought one of her manky old swimsuits for her i can't believe you bought me this old rag yeah it's a plain red bikini but like if it's one of lila's bikinis it's probably really nice it's just that it's an old one (laughs) exactly well jessica or lila says look jess you may be my best friend but that doesn't mean i'm about to loan you one of my brand new bikinis 
Again, the idea of having a wide range of any swimsuits, let alone bikinis, is kind of unfathomable to an Irish person. Very true. Yeah. I mean, it's different, I suppose, if you're at the beach like every weekend. Yeah. But um, yeah, that is just not the case here. <laughs> well, uh, Jessica uh, and uh, uh, forgives her, basically, and they soon chill. Even when Lila says, kind of amazingly, don't you just wish you were me? <laughs> Yes, Lila, quite often. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, Jessica admits to herself that she has wished this many a time, where she at least just wishes she had Lila's uh, riches. Mm. And um, she says that she has plenty of sexy reporters to gaze at. But Lila points out that they don't go around in their shorts like all the college boys on the beach. Uh, though, I mean, who knows, given the standards of the Sweet Valley News, we surprised. It really wouldn't. <laughs> So Jessica is about to tell Lila about Greenback, but then something happens. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, well, before, yeah. There's a, there's a whole bit before that where they decide to take bets on how long it's going to take some hot boys to ask them to play volleyball. With oh, them. true. Yeah. But uh, but yes, it's all it's all interrupted. All the uh, the chill hanging out is interrupted by a blood curdling scream from the <gasps> other end of the beach. Uh oh. Um. So they see a crowd gathering. And when they at the edge of the water and when they go over to investigate, Jessica keeps thinking of the phone call and the floating um, in the water element. And those fears are justified because it's a corpse. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, this is quite horrible. Um, mm. Yeah. So Jess kind of catches like a quick glimpse and like she doesn't even want to look because she kind of already knows what it's going to be. Like the whole phone calls are just kind of playing in her head as she's kind of being dragged towards the end of the beach. Um, and yeah, she sees like a bedraggled bundle of dripping clothing, like the <gasps> wet hair, pale skin. And she's like, oh, my God, it's a woman's body, just as Jessica had known it would be. Um, and Lila, of course, is like, oh, my God, somebody drowned. So there's people calling the cops and ambulances or whatever and uh, poor Jessica is so kind of freaked by this whole thing she ends up passing out she gets dizzy and falls down yeah fates dead away oh. we'll be cushed to the Castletel Wakefield where Ned Alice Liz Steve and his random friend Adam <laughs> Maitland who I kept expecting was going to have some purpose and uh, is literally just hanging around the house all the time he, why literally there is no point to this guy whatsoever <laughs> What is this? I mean, I genuinely do not understand what the role of him is, unless he crops up in one of the other super thrillers, which I guess is possible. Oh, yeah, maybe he's like the summer super thriller friend. I have no idea. Mm. Well, Jessica is all wrapped in a blanket. She's still all freaked out. And um, Liz joins her, you know, and tries to calm her down. And, but when they turn on the TV, Jessica screams, turn it off! Because the first item is the body on the beach. Oh, so Jessica feels guilty for not doing anything to stop the killing. Unusually for her, because why she feels is capable of feeling guilt. Yeah, it's very unlike her, actually. Mm. <laughs> but it is, it is quite an extreme case, uh, I guess. <laughs> True. Well, Liz says she's jumping to conclusions. This could have been an accident. You know, people do drown, um, but does admit that, you know, maybe Jessica's onto something. Mm. On Friday morning, Jess, Seth asks Liz to join him at the press conference um, at the police station and asks if Jessica wants to come too so she can finally experience some drama. But apparently uh, Jessica is, uh, is well, like she, they just say she overslept. So she's coming in later. I mean, think of a better excuse, Liz. That just makes <laughs> no, you look like even more of a slacker. 
I would still get her in trouble. Yeah, that's it. Because she like Liz, Liz is having to kind of cover uh, for Jessica not to tell anybody that she was like at the beach uh, yes. when the body was found. But uh, but yeah, then like the cover story is nearly as bad because it's like yeah, she overslept. She doesn't care about this job. Yeah, she just can't be arsed. Mm. Gotta go. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they um, they head off, and st- Liz is stunned by Seth's fancy new car. Yeah, it's this brand new black Mazda RX-7. Uh, and I think this is the car that Lila has in the TV show. No! Oh my <laughs> <But> God! <laughs> yeah, which is lovely. <laughs> the TV line green triumph. Now, I'm just checking what year this came out. This was 92. So, mm, so you wouldn't the be... TV show. It's, yeah, it's maybe two years before the yeah. TV show, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the type of car that she has in uh, in the TV show. But uh, yeah, she's kind of surprised by this new car. And she's like, wait, where's your usual car? Um, and Seth is like, yeah, no, I picked this one up yesterday after work. Um, and he was like, yeah, it was kind of an impulse purchase. <laughs> so naturally she's like, well, that's quite an impulse purchase. <laughs> yes, a very expensive sports car. Mm. Um, so at the station, uh, Sergeant Jack Wilson, I thought we were told he's like 25 year veteran, three five police force. And you sort of think he's going to be a character but that he's never mentioned again. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, there's all this kind of, yeah, like all this character detail. And it's like, nope, don't worry about that, though. <laughs> you do not need to remember anything about this guy. <laughs> oh, that's it for him. And yeah. uh, he has some shocking news. Uh, the girl hasn't been identified yet, but she was strangled before being dumped in the water. <gasps> oh, no. It was a murder. <laughs> there's been a murder. <laughs> <laughs> I did think of that. <laughs> you kind of have to. <laughs> Taggart reference. <laughs> um, so back at the office all the Sweet, the Sweet Valley News hacks are stunned to hear of a murder in Sweet Valley and we're told that kind of story was rare unlike all the kidnappings which seem to be ten of any as far as I can they, tell the thing is like, they clearly just don't report on the kidnappings <laughs> and the like I don't know robberies and all the other mad shit and accidents and teenagers in comas <laughs> It's like, no, none of that gets covered. It's just parking problems and mall expansions. <laughs> That's it. Well, Jessica drags Liz into the morgue, the filing room, and insists there has to be a connection between this girl and Greenback and his crew. Um, because, you know, he talked about, like, it, you know, getting, like, somebody floating in the water mm. and serves her right. And, you know... Um, and she's worried that Greenback is in the building somewhere because he has been, he's the consistent person in all the calls, you know, yes. that are related to his uh, mysterious doings. And Liz is worried, but she's weirdly sceptical initially. Like, I just she's, don't think that's rational of Liz. No, say, yes, exactly. Because, I mean, I know, like, like she's heard Jessica talking about these calls and now this has happened and it's like it it does add up to like something weird going on and potentially in the building and most likely in the building and yeah Jessica's or Liz is just like no common sense told her she, that much more evidence was needed before a conclusion could be reached and she's just like she's just not convinced so like Jess has to keep kind of talking her into looking into this mm. and it's really weird and like at one point it is written that Jessica makes a much better investigative reporter than Liz does <gasps> because she's the one who's actually going for it yes. and like look I'm going to look into this and Liz is like nope it's all fine don't worry about it it's like why do you have such a weird lack of curiosity about any of this it's so no. strange and it's out of character as well as being ridiculous well eventually she admits maybe Jessica should go to the police like yes mm. you know that somebody is saying weird stuff and you know what building they're in like it's not exactly. like it could be anywhere in town yeah <laughs> so 
at lunchtime, Jessica strides into the police station and uh, really doesn't get off on the on, on on the right foot, where she gives a slightly rambling uh, account of her like phone calls. Now she's working on the, uh, she's working as an intern and she's hearing all these calls. And there's somebody who calls a home shoppers club all the time. You wouldn't believe all the junk <laughs> she buys. And then you know, <laughs> a, half a page later, she finally talks about Greenback, um, and understandably. The uh, the officer at the desk is giving her, you know, the a slightly skeptical look, and she mm. she realizes herself that she comes across as a flake. But the officer does send her in to Detective Jason. Mm. Yeah, Jessica does realize that she's kind of just been babbling the mm. whole time, and she's just kind of surprised, I suppose, that she's actually being sent to talk to anybody else about it so she's getting less and less confident uh, as she goes but uh, she knocks on this new detective's door and uh, yeah he she's kind of relieved then because he actually looks like he's interested in what she has to say and he's like look you know, tell me everything yeah. uh, you know this officer said you've been overhearing something on your office phone that may be related to the murder case so she tells him everything that she knows and explains yeah. where she's working and all the rest um, so like he takes down her details and you know is willing to listen to her at least so she yeah tells them everything that she knows and uh being a sociopath she um mm-hmm. despite the fact she is talking about a potential murder in fact mm. not a potential murder a definite murder and <laughs> yeah. um, she starts getting really into it and sort of pausing <laughs> dramatically and uh, really she's into- a storyteller a storyteller <laughs> a weaver of worlds <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, she's she's selling that story. And um, when J- Detective Jason says this is all very helpful and it might lead them to the killer, she literally beams at him. A girl oh, is she- dead, Jessica. A girl is dead. Have a bit of class, will you, for fuck's sake? Oh, God. We're asking too much there. True. So he gets her number and her home address and her work number and uh, tells her to keep listening to the calls and take notes, but not to tell anyone else what she hears, not even her sister, not even her family. Because mm. they don't want Greenback to know they're onto him. And it's this is, you know, high security case. And Jessica, of course, is sad. She can't boast about it. But... Um, <laughs> She, well, she says she won't tell anyone. She thinks, except Liz and the rest of my family. <laughs> Brilliant. But also, yes, tell your parents for fuck's sake. So, well, Do not yeah. listen to this officer. <laughs> I know. I mean, really, that should be morning uh, side right there. So, mm. yeah, she's feeling very important and she heads off. So on Saturday, she comes home from uh, the tennis tournament to find Liz, Steve and Adam there again yeah for no reason <laughs> eating nachos um and it turns out that she her duties that day and i guess this is kind of practical she took notes and she gave them to bob and he's going to attend the finals of the tournament tomorrow and use her notes for the main piece on monday hmm. so uh, actually a useful thing that an intern could do she doesn't have to write anything she just has to get some facts there you go yeah makes sense yeah so she brags about her name b- being in headlines when she cracks the case and her dad has to remind her what detective jason said about not you know blathering on about this uh <laughs> this mystery all over town because yeah understandably he's worried about her putting herself in danger of course yeah so she asks were there any calls for her while she was out and uh yeah amy rang lila rang but there were also some more mysterious calls. 
Mm. Yeah, Stephen uh, says that there was a bunch of hang-up phone calls uh, oh. and Jess was like, oh, really? Uh, and Steve's like, yeah, you know, the kind where you pick up the phone and the person on the other end hangs up without saying anything. And Jess is like, oh, maybe they were wrong numbers. Um, and Steve's like, my theory is it's some guy trying to get up the nerve to ask one of you two out. And then he turns to Adam and he's like, you wouldn't believe how many guys call this house. It's absurd. <laughs> and Liz says, the only guy who calls me is Todd. And of course, Jessica goes, well, plenty of guys call me. Jessica acknowledged dimpling for Adam's benefit. And I'm not a Shame to say so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, just as she says these words, the phone rings again and it's for Jessica. But when she takes it, it's just heavy breathing again. Oh no. Yeah. So she's a little bit freaked and she's like, who is this? Um, and she just slams the, the phone down. And she's like, okay, that was weird. Uh, and Stephen's like, oh, I guess he chicken dead after all. Uh, and Jessica's like, yeah, I guess so. But she's, again, kind of freaked by this uh, turn of events. And she's like, look, the, whoever it was just didn't say anything. Yeah. She says, it feels like someone's checking up on me. Um, mm. So yeah, she's kind of connecting it to, uh, to the murder. Yes. So on Monday, Liz wa- oh, Jessica wants Liz to stay and listen in to Greenback's conversations, but Liz has to go out with Seth to investigate a case. And after an uneventful morning, Jessica heads to the building's coffee shop to grab lunch. And she's pleased to see the home shopping lady is in the lift wearing her costume <laughs> jewels. Ooh. But the other occupant of the, list, of the lift looks a little more rough and ready than the usual occupants of the Western building. Yeah, he's kind of like, he's wearing something that makes him just a real suspicious because, you know, baseball cap and dark glasses indoors. It's like, okay, what are you up to? <laughs> very, uh, very good surveillance work. Mm, very low key. I was going to give yes. his name there. Was like, I'm sure nobody could possibly guess who this could be. Mm-mm, no, mystery guy in a <laughs> baseball cap and sunglasses. Yep, nothing to worry about here. Well, she goes to the coffee shop and after um, she gets her salad and starts having her lunch, she realises that mystery baseball cap guy is there too. <laughs> and showing what a terrible spy he is. He hasn't even bothered to get like a coffee. <laughs> just sitting there staring at her like a freak. He's just sitting at the next table and she's like, what the fuck is this? Uh, she's like, yes, he certainly looks suspicious. And like, yeah, I'll say. Um, so she's like, oh, maybe he's just ma- waiting to meet somebody. Uh, and then she also thinks, fuck, maybe he's waiting for me to leave so he can follow me or and attack me in the elevator or the stairwell. Um, and she kind of tries to to you know tell herself she's just imagining things. But like even with the phone calls at home and all the rest, she's just mm. like, mm, no, my nerves are gone. Uh, so then, yeah, and she realizes he's staring straight at her because this guy, <gasps> Jesus Christ, driving inconspicuous, dickhead. Um, How has he lasted yeah, so long without being arrested? Oh, look, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so she ends up just abandoning her salad and just racing from the coffee shop. But who should she bump into when she runs outside? It's Mr. Gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) And we're told instantaneously Jessica's fear was transformed into delight. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, And instead of stepping back from him, she remained close, holding his gaze. Like, oh, "Oh, God, get away from him. Uh, She's like, don't I know you from somewhere? Um, but the guy is all distracted and he's just like, oh, I don't think so. Excuse me. And just kind of steps around her and hurries off out again. So Jessica's left there standing, fuming uh, with her hands <laughs> on her hips. Like, fuck this. What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so she miserably heads back to her desk and she thinks this is worrying. Uh, Mr. Gorgeous is even hotter and we're told a bit older than mm-hmm. she'd thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> 
too old for you, Jessica. Oh, definitely. Then Bill comes in and flashes her one of his movie star smiles. <laughs> uh, but actually, he's been kind of, you know, he does, he, he seems like a nice boss. He's like, oh, just checking, you know, you've got enough to do. And they have a little banter before he heads off um, with, I don't know, leaving Jessica to just sit in her arse and listen in to people because it doesn't seem like she does have enough to do, quite frankly. Very true. She has so much time for eavesdropping and mm. like there doesn't seem to be any kind of deadline on any of the work she's doing, which sounds unusual for a newspaper, I would say. <laughs> well, she picks up the phone, of course, and uh, finds uh, Maggie telling somebody that her husband has got suspicious. And Jessica gets, frankly, judgmental um, <laughs> and hypocritical because she says out loud, I told Jessica lectured Maggie, it was bound to happen sooner or later with all the running around you do. I mean, you're a fine one to talk. Very true. Oh my God. If anyone does any running around, it's Jessica. Like (laughs) Two boy weekend, anybody? (laughs) Well, quite. (laughs) But even judging people, I mean, God knows we like to judge everybody in these books. Even this isn't fun enough for uh, Jessica. She's just feeling sorry for herself because it's like she's being chased by creeps and ignored by hunks. No. But then she notices somebody looking at her from that building across the street. Hooray! It's handsome, gorgeous man again. Mr. Gorgeous. Um, She realises, yeah, he's looking uh, straight in at her and uh, he smiles. So she realises he recognises her from the lobby and she's like, now he knows why I gave him that line about knowing him from somewhere. So suddenly he he seems much friendlier and uh, Jessica decides that uh, it's now or never. So she grabs a sheet of paper and writes her name and the phone number uh, for uh, her desk in block letters and holds it up to the window. Subtle she is not, but she gets the job done. <laughs> Look, she gets results. She really does. So uh, he rings her straight away. Ooh. And he, it is unbelievably deep and sexy voice. Uh, and says he's Ben Donovan, the guy on the fifth floor of the bank building who's so wrapped up in his work that he almost missed the chance to meet a pretty girl on the fifth floor of the Western building. And they smile at each other, which would be cute if it wasn't for the fact that she is 16, 16. and he is an adult with a job. No, and like, she, you know that she looks 16 as well. I mean, God, come on, dude. <laughs> well, he asks if he could take her out for lunch. And of course, she's delighted. Of course. <laughs> so later, Liz tells Jess, you know, she's like asks Jess how she's doing and it says she's worried about her because, you know, Jess was so freaked out all weekend. Mm-hmm. But Jess isn't scared anymore, pretty much because she just got a hunk in her sights. That's it. Yeah, she's suitably distracted. So any fear has just melted away because she's just uh, consumed with her upcoming date with Mr. Gorgeous. <laughs> mm. So, uh, yeah, she um, she's about to leave when she gets a phone call and it's Detective Jason. Oh, yeah. He wants to check in with her uh, to see if she had any more delivery service messages. And Mm. she's like, nope, uh, not one. The murderers have been keeping a low profile since the discovery of the body. But um, she kind of remembers the the fact that she'd been followed and tells the detective about that, uh, like earlier with the creepy guy in the sunglasses. So he's like, oh, don't worry, we'll keep an eye out for him. (laughs) And um, (laughs) says he'll he'll check in with her again tomorrow and says, look, don't forget to be very careful and Mm. very discreet. You should be keeping a low profile yourself. (gasps) Well, when she hangs up, this is the first Liz has heard of the creep following Jessica and mm. um, and reminds Jessica, look, do not tell Mr. Gorgeous about this case. Like, this is really, you know, this is getting kind of serious. Yeah. Uh, but Jessica doesn't care. And she struts off, admiring herself. 
as she goes. <laughs> I think this is the one outfit, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah. So she finds Ben, who's looking even hotter than ever, and he <laughs> suggests they go to somewhere called Leeward Isles. Wow, okay, yeah, love to see a new place <laughs> Valley, I guess this is where you go for lunch downtown <laughs> um, well it sounds like uh, it's quite the gourmet affair and then we get frankly appalling and uh, a genuinely worrying message because Jessica realises as in the, in the bright after suit sunlight oh it is so unforgiving Jessica you'll understand when you're older um, <laughs> she could see that he's definitely a little older than she had thought of were at first maybe as old as 25 but he would mm. never guess she was only 16 yeah. Jessica knew she could be mistaken for someone older especially when she was dressed up oh god like, I, it's not even presented no it's not presented as like a and this is an issue or not something that's good like it's just oh jessica you know how she is like oh stop she can work it and get those guys oh no so yeah ben asks her all about her work at the news and what it's like there um so she tells him and then she asks about his fancy bank job and he's appalled she's appalled to find out he's an accountant what a surprise an accountant works at a bank I know, but she reckons this is the dullest thing she could imagine and uh, hopes that maybe his like hobbies are really exciting and that he goes like windsurfing and mountain climbing. She's like, maybe he even played guitar in a rock band. So she's just like, no, he definitely... I mean, I know the fact that he's an accountant just isn't going to cut it. So there has to be some secret excitement to him, surely. <laughs> but he uh, says he's kind of a quiet guy. I like to go jogging with my Dalmatian, catch up on my reading, listen to classical music, watch old movies. Ben, you sound great. Like, I would be up for that. Yeah, true. He does sound kind of great. Uh, apart from the fact that he's out with the 16 year old. Well, yeah, true. I but, mean, I'm probably yeah. closer to his age. <laughs> well, no, I'm, no, God, I just realised I'm 21 years older than him. Oh, dear. Oh, no. We're more like the age of the mam badgering junior, probably. <laughs> <laughs> God, depressingly enough, probably. That's right. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jessica's bored already just hearing about this and she decides he's more Liz's type and when he asks for her number she does give it to him but um, she's pretty sure she won't hear from him, uh, him and uh, she's fine with that so yeah, that seems that's, to be uh, it for Bangkok yeah apparently reality was so much less exciting than fantasy so mm. well the next day the twins arrive at the paper to discover the body has been identified and it's a 17 year old San Diego runaway called Tracy Fox and uh-huh. I mean absolutely appallingly again I've said the word appalling so many times in this mm-hmm. episode but really Seth asks Liz <laughs> to do the call to Tracy's parents oh god well okay what I will say for Seth is that he he kind of says that he'll do it um, and, go, and that she should go down to the police station but then Liz is like no no you go to the station let me make the call and he's like oh are you sure you can handle this she's like yes I want to make this part of the story my own the part where you talk to newly bereaved parents like what are you talking about oh my um, god but the fact that he does actually let her uh, is fucking crazy because no Seth do not allow the teen intern to contact a grieving family what are you doing <laughs> oh my god <sighs> This is actually, I mean, of all the many, well, I can't even pick the most unprofessional thing this newspaper does because they literally hired a news editor with no newspaper experience. So Mm, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but this is particularly bad. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, I know people who have been in 
journalism for 30, 40 years and they don't want to do the doorstepping thing, which yeah, is the equivalent, yeah. this is the phone equivalent of it. And mm-hmm. I would absolutely not be able to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. Um, so, uh, yeah, Liz Diles and um, he uh, he talks, first of all, Mr. Fox answers and he's like, oh, my wife's better at this sort of thing. And um, his wife gets on the line and she's just about holding herself together. And she tells a tragic tale of a teenage oh. boy. Poor Tracy. Yeah, apparently she ran away from home a month ago mm. uh, and ever since she kind of disappeared they'd been waiting for bad news because <gasps> apparently Tracy was always a straight A student, a sweet, quiet girl, but a year ago she fell in with a bad crowd at school oh. and she's uh, she's not sure how it happened or why it happened but it was like a wall went up between them and they couldn't reach her and she'd just go off to these wild parties and uh, she knew that uh, the kids at these parties did drugs and they tried disciplining her and talking you know, with her about what was going on, but she just kept pulling away from them and it all sounds very sad. And eventually when she disappeared off, um, it was really like, oh God, something terrible is going to happen. Yeah. But um, yeah, then, oh yeah, her mother tells Liz that, and I mean, she's very forthcoming with all these details to this like child who's after ringing her out of the blue. <laughs> she really is. But she, um, she reveals that uh, the last night that Tracy was home with them, uh, she was folding laundry and went to put some of Tracy's clothes away in her dresser and found a packet of cocaine packet. in one of the drawers. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. They always say packet as opposed to a wrap or anything. And I'm just wondering, is it like a packet of crisps? Like properly sealed in a little bag? It's a bag of potatoes. It's yeah. actually cocaine. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I suppose this is, you know, packet is, is what we've heard before in terms of cocaine true, in true. this book. Um, so they had this big confrontation and it was, you know, just led to this big row. And then, of course, when Tracy ran off, they just never heard from her again. So her mom was just really particularly upset, I suppose, that the last time they talked to each other was all in anger and when they were fighting. And it's all very sad. Yeah. So uh, Liz hangs up and sociopath Jessica is surprised to see that she's crying after talking to a bereaved parent uh, Jessica's like what is these are these human dears <laughs> what are you doing so then Seth runs in and he reveals a packet of coke was found on Tracy's body uh oh so the police are are sure that the killing was drug related and when Liz reveals what she's just heard from Tracy's mom um, Seth is sure Tracy must have been dealing with um, and, and ended up like somehow crossing the the suppliers or you know mm. whoever she was working for and yeah. jessica suddenly realizes what the packets mentioned in the phone conversations might be <gasps> yeah so she kind of says oh my god you know this this explains the packets uh she says it to liz but then of course seth is there and he's like what explains what what are you talking about but um yeah they well, liz is like oh the police obviously didn't say anything to the press about jessica's involvement it's like no why would they <laughs> but um yeah so she kind of just kind of covers and says oh you know nothing because they don't want to tell seth yet about all this other stuff they have going on so she's like oh no it's just something we were talking about before so she kind of just distracts him and says look where do we go from here what's the next step uh with this covering this story so she kind of yeah puts him off their scent a little bit yes um so uh yeah when um uh when when seth seth leaves jessica you know says obviously tracy was been killed by greenback and rock and mm. a horrified liz thinks of regina <laughs> oh god yeah there's like about is it like two pages of regina it's a full uh, recap it really is like the whole thing um yeah, so it again just recaps what happened to Regina and that she tried cocaine and died. Yeah, we um, all know this, listeners. 
it's true. Like if you've come this far with us, we know what happened to Regina. <laughs> um, and yeah, it all goes a bit kind of PSA again, where Jessica's like, it's so hard being a teenager. You can get on the wrong path and it happens so quickly. And uh, la, 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 la. and it's just like, oh, it's too late for both of them now. But there are a lot of young people out there at risk. And uh, Liz is like, I'm going to help crack this story. So maybe I can help some of them. <gasps> yeah, it's all quite PSA. Sorry. Especially Jessica saying, uh, as you said, it's hard being a teenager sometimes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can get to the wrong path. It can happen so quickly. And that's my favourite part of it, I think, because it's just so, you know, um, the tone changes. A very special oh. episode. It's, it's very, fun. yes, special episode or like a <laughs> video will be shown in school or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we cut to the casa and uh, Liz is looking through a folder of material related to the case and she sees a, a colour photograph of Tracy with her fluffy fair hair and wide set green eyes and she could be one of their friends. But then she realises something. She's seen this girl before. Mm, yeah, she brings it into Jessica and she's like, like, do you recognise this girl? Or does she look familiar to you? Um, and Jessica's like, no, she doesn't at all. But Liz is like, well, I've definitely seen her somewhere before, but she can't remember where. Uh, she's sure that she has seen her, but she just can't remember. And she's like, oh God, maybe it'll, think to, maybe it'll come to me. Um, because this is kind of like a lead, basically, I guess, at this stage. <laughs> but um, yeah, she just can't think. So she's like, oh, fuck it, look, maybe it'll come to me. Because Jessica's very unhelpfully going, think, think hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just what you want when you're trying, you're racking your brains. Mm. Yeah, it's very helpful. Um, so, uh, yes, um, they, they're both freaked out at this stage, especially when they get another silent caller. But mm. um, Liz thinks something terrible had happened in their usually idyllic community. I mean, literally two pages ago, you reminded us that somebody had a drug overdose. Like it's not that idyllic. Come on now. No, let's not forget all the kidnappings, which you know I think we need to remember them because you certainly don't. Yeah, and also you know the fact that in well the last super thriller we covered, which I think happens before this book, you know a maniac was running around planting bombs and trying to blow up the stadium, which Bruce literally ran away with. <laughs> He's a hero. <laughs> Oh, that was a classic. That was so good. Uh, well, the next day, uh, Bill greets the twins and is like, have I got a job for you to Jessica? And she quips that maybe he's making her editor-in-chief. It's about time. I mean, why the fuck not in this place? Like, oh, <laughs> a, She has as much experience as Bill does, so why not? Apparently, yes. So, uh, but he has some news about Rose, the receptionist. Yeah, apparently she quit. Uh, a better Uh-oh. job came this way. So she um, decided to leave. So Bill decided, well, you know, while we look for a new permanent replacement, he thought, who in this office loves to spend time on the telephone? Um, so Jessica's like, ah, shit. So um, he gestures towards her desk and she can see that apparently the receptionist's telephone console had been installed on Jessica's desk. Uh, so she is going to temporarily be the receptionist, which is like, that's a fucking full time job in itself. So I don't know how they expect her to also do any kind of of her like a copy editing and proofing which they do by the randomly way. doing but uh yeah so this is um this is her new her new job also it's a skilled job like it they is. just throw her in at the deep end like call oh a temp agency oh my god i filled in for like a friend of mine who was a receptionist in a design place before and like it is really tough it's oh. such hard work like oh my god that's so stressful it really is um, yeah and i'm not great on the phone so it was not good for me <laughs> Well, Bill just goes, make it up for you. Bye. Yeah. See ya. 
And the files start ringing straight away. Oh yeah, she's got a list of everyone's extensions and that's about it as far as yeah. her instructions are concerned. <laughs> All the help she gets, yeah. yeah. So she's stressed out and Liz doesn't help here. Later, <laughs> Jessica understands why Rose crashed because this job is head-wrecking. I mean, it's it's head-wrecking enough working on reception anyway but of course all the numbers are all fucked mm. up and people are ringing for like wrong places and calling extensions that are meant for somewhere else in the building and it's all just a big mess of cross lines and she's just like oh my god if I get one more call for Wells and Wells the law firm on the seventh floor I'm <laughs> going to scream so she's just having an absolute yeah head melter of a day yes and uh, she she also there's a lot of calls coming in for Seth that his line is busy all the time and she wonders if he could be junior <laughs> so she's so busy all morning she only gives a uh, Bangkok Ben a distracted wave and when she finally has a quiet moment it strikes her she hasn't heard from Green anything of Greenback since the body uh, was discovered and he wonders if he's you know still in the uh, drug transport game but uh, obviously for the moment she can't um, she can't listen in but then she has an idea yeah, because her own phone that was on her desk has been unplugged. So she reckons, oh, what if I dial my own extension from the receptionist phone? So she figures it's a long shot, but reckons she'll try it anyway. So she picks up the receiver, dials her extension uh, and hears a dial tone. But then she tries a second time and hears Junior's voice. So she's got another way of getting back into the mysterious, very specific cross line. I know, it's like she only ever hears these specific like three or four people mm. every time. Very convenient. Mm. Um, and uh, after, you know, a few minutes where she actually takes, does her job for a second, she goes uh, back to her line and she hears Greenback. <gasps> oh my God. So she's giving, he's giving another delivery message in this mm. code. But of course, Jessica wants to crack it and she's about to start writing it down. But then she has a brainwave. Yeah, so she she pulls out the uh, a dictaphone and uh, puts in a new cassette and holds the tiny, tiny microphone close to the receiver and records the call. So she wonders if it's going to work, but uh, she hears Greenback talking to a man called Chopper. Uh, so she hits stop and rewinds it and then kind of listens to it and she she can hear the message perfectly. So her, her plan worked. <gasps> she's recorded it. She certainly has. Um, so she decides she's got to keep those, uh, keep recording the messages so she can eventually mm. pass them on to the police. Yes. So at lunch, Liz goes into Seth's office and when she goes in, he immediately hangs up the phone and puts a folder in a drawer. And um, so she, he was clearly busy with something. Mm. And she has an amazing idea of how they could find <laughs> information about Tracy. Who could have thought of this before? I mean, it's it's a very novel approach. Yeah, she reckons they should uh, print Tracy's picture in the news with a request that anyone who had contact with her or any information about her acquaintances should call us. Who could have possibly thought of such an insightful and imaginative mm. idea? Revolutionary. Um, also, Seth does make the good point that, like, look, she was a runaway. He was hanging around with a lot of people who were doing drugs and drug mm. dealers. And none of them were going to come forward. But then he basically takes a look at Liz's sad little face and says it's <laughs> worth a try. That's <laughs> how so the Wakefields work. That you know, they they in their own ways they get results. <laughs> they certainly do. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, Jessica is totally frazzled as well she might be, but she decides to try her own line once more. And who should be on the line? But Rock and Greenback! Oh my god, they're back! <laughs> and they've got dramatic news. 
Apart- oh my god! And also, here's, there's a there's noise going on in the background. It sounds like mm. a computer printer or some other machine. But yeah. even with it, she's able to identify the voices. Vox mm. says. They're onto us. His voice was rough and angry. Our buddy at the police station says they've assigned a special undercover cop. The whole thing is very hush-hush. No one at the station knows who or where he is. But the word is, they're closing in on us. Oh my God. Jessica, something does strike Jessica. Our buddy at the police station? Do Uh they have a cop on their side? So uh, Greenback says... We'll need to be extra careful. Get out of Sweet Valley. And we'll meet at point six in a week to buy the cash. Then we'll close up shop and break up the organization. So that's dramatic enough. Mm. But then Rock makes a terrifying statement. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yes, Rock chimes in and says, Foist, let me take care of the nosy girl. <laughs> The evil eagerness in his voice. We could hear it there, Karen. Sent a like chill <laughs> running up Jessica's spine. <laughs> oh, God. And then Greenback makes things even more terrifying. Oh, my God. And then, to be fair to Jessica, this is quite frightening. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Greenback is like, no, I've got my eye on her. <gasps> She's not spying today. I guarantee it. <gasps> Just leave it to me. I'll handle her when the time comes. <gasps> Oh my god. <laughs> Genuinely terrifying. That is frightening. <laughs> so Jessica is stunned and she realizes now they have proof that you know there is definitely a drug ring and a cop is mm. in league with them and they're in the Western building somewhere and they're gonna take care of a nosy girl and that girl is her. Oh no. Poor Jess. Um so then Detective Jason rings and immediately Jess is relieved, but then to my great pleasure, because I hate when they don't think of very obvious things which often happens in these books she does wonder is he the dirty cop well there you go yeah she does wonder like can i trust him Mm. um because of course he's calling to check in as usual and she's kind of like well damn she has literally just heard that there's a cop on greenback side uh Mm. so she's like well okay she's like look i haven't heard anything all day and she says look i'm the receptionist uh, for the whole newspaper now so i'm using a different phone and i can't eavesdrop on the calls anymore um, and she's kind of relieved and surprised that the detective doesn't actually question this at all. And he's just like, yep, I understand. Let's keep in touch, though. And she's like, OK, cool. And like replaces the receiver and hangs up. And she's like, oh, God, have I done the right thing? Because mm. um, she's like, oh, God, you know, he needs her help. But she's like, oh, he probably wasn't the bad cop. But even so, she knows she can't risk telling him. And it's like, yes, Jessica, good for you. I'm like, this so is actually glad. smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she realizes it's five o'clock. So she literally sprints out. They do a lot of sprinting in this book. They're always like sprinting out of places or sprinting into places. Very true. Their cardio is top notch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's too scared, understandably, to go to the like underground car park. So she decides she's going to go home in the bus. And as she walks out, somebody grabs her arm. It's Ben Donovan. It is. Um, And he asks her for coffee. um, And uh, she realizes, hang on, he's just appeared out of nowhere. Maybe he's in the gang, too. Yeah, she's just so suspicious and paranoid now after hearing that freaky call and then the cop like calling her immediately afterwards. She's like, oh God, like are his intentions really friendly and innocent? And she's like, look, even if she wanted to confide in Ben, she knew she couldn't risk it. Um, And the detective had said not to share her knowledge with Mm -hmm. anyone. So she's just like, especially freaked I suppose that she heard Greenback saying he's got his eye on her so she's like "Mm, nope I need to get out of here she's like thanks Ben I can't I've got to go and she dashes out of the building without (gasps) another word (laughs) 
Well, we cut to the Castletel Wakefield where Liz is sad about how all she got in touch with some of Tracy's, you know, bad friends, but they've learned <laughs> nothing from his death and they're still off their faces. These useless stoners were no help at all. <laughs> and then we get a pointless scene where Todd rings from his campsite where he's just like frolicking in nature and looking at <laughs> elks or something. I don't know. It's just, I can't even be arsed putting in any details in my notes because it's pointless. He's off on a camping trip. But yeah, it's quite funny that like, I don't know if this is the case in all the super thrillers, but like this is the second one we've done. And each time they've just kind of conveniently gotten rid of Liz's boyfriend. Like last time it was Jeffrey off being a fucking ranger or something. Oh, yeah, ranger <laughs> Jeff. Ranger Jeff. And now Todd is off in the fucking Rockies doing something. It's like, yeah, just just ditch the boyfriend for like a bit. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> He's off doing something outdoorsy. Who cares? <laughs> Genuinely don't care. Um, yeah. So Jessica finally has the chance to tell her what happened today. And Liz realises, hang on, don't the police station have your home address and your number? So Mm. if there's a bad cop, that means he could have told the gang who you are and where you live. No. And then there is a phone call. Uh Uh-oh. And a strange man's voice meets Liz's ears when she answers it. And says, if I had my way... You'd be shark bait by now, Jessica Wakefield. He rasped. From now on, you better keep your mouth, eyes, and ears shut, or I'll shut them for you. Oh my god. <gasps> then he hangs up. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we're going to take a break to tell you about a podcast. Headstuff Plus. Oh my god, the stress of it all. I know. I think we need to calm down. Good lord. The tension is ramping up so much. We need to take a breather. Oh my god. Uh, And this week, it's a podcast for somebody who's close to our heart. Very much so. Yes, our very lovely and very patient. um, So so patient. And producer Garrod Farrelly, he's got a new podcast uh, called Agony Rants. So he's teamed up with a good friend of his who just happens to be like actual Eurovision <gasps> winner, Neve Kavanagh. Oh my God. Amazing. So yeah, the two of them have been pals for ages. Uh, so they've teamed up for this excellent new podcast uh, where it's kind of like an advice show, kind of like a get things off your chest type of a show. And uh, as they say in their first episode, which just came out this week, uh, Neve is like the level-headed voice of reason, whereas if you want someone to like lob a wheelie bin through your enemy's porch, then Garrod is your man. And those are his <laughs> words, so I can't get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just come out uh, this week, so it'll be out on Mondays. Uh, it's called Agony Rants. It's great crack, and you can check out a listen to it here. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Why can't I not say podcast? Hello, I'm Garrod Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for a very long time. And that is what we are offering you on our new podcast, Agony Rants. If you need a support group and want to tell us a secret. Or if you need someone to champion you or just cheer you up. Or maybe even some advice. On how to burn down a house or blow up your life or get revenge. So send your secrets, stories and problems to agonyrants at gmail.com. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds a little suggestive, I'm not going to lie. Like. Yeah, it was a little bit. It's very Cadbury's Caramel Bunny. <laughs> and now, back to Sweet Valley, where, I mean, we really want to think about the fact that Neve Kavanagh is the person who brought our, the Eurovision to Ireland in 1994, which was the introduction of Riverdance. So she's got quite an illustrious pedigree. Oh my but, gosh, like... 
stunning Eurovision like person there. I'm just amazed oh. by that. Yeah. During the golden age of Ireland oh. constantly winning the Eurovision. <laughs> what a time. Oh my God. <laughs> when we ruled Eurovision. <laughs> we did. Basically the entire time I was in college and then after that it just stopped. Oh, we've just been nosediving since. <laughs> well, back in Sweet Valley there's less excitement of a, of a joyful Eurovision kind uh, <laughs> because the twins are up to high dough because oh of this terrifying <laughs> OTG phone call. I mean, it was very frightening and that was some very good rasping on your behalf there, I have Thank to you. Say. I think I might have hurt my throat a bit, but you know, <laughs> this is the commitment I have for this to this podcast. <laughs> this is how dedicated we are. <laughs> my voice will be fucked tomorrow and it is worth it for you, listeners. <laughs> well um, Detective Jason rings Just to check in yet again Reminder mm. not to tell anyone And Jessica realises That these calls are kind of pointless Apart from keeping tabs on her He's just a little bit too concerned mm, Yeah exactly She's just like Look I just know he's the bad cop Because like she's right He keeps calling her And there's no reason to Because mm. she did tell him That she can't listen into the calls anymore mm-hmm. And yet he's still here Ringing her And also just ringing her Like right after she gets Or hears a weird phone call Yeah So um, yeah she she, poor Jessica, so freaked out. She ends up just yanking the phone cord right out of the wall after she's finished talking to him. She's like, I never want to talk on the phone again for as long as I live. <gasps> and you know, that's bad. Jessica's saying mm. that. So the next day, Liz urges her to tell Ned and Alice about, you know, these latest developments. But Jessica thinks that if they know how that she's in actual danger, they won't let her out of the house. And, you know, probably not. And is that such a bad thing? Yeah. Given that you are literally being threatened. Like, mm, also true. <laughs> so when they stop for donuts on the way to the office, a brochure for luxury condos falls out of Liz's bag. And uh, she actually has it um, thanks to a little trip she took with Seth. Yeah, apparently Seth has um, bought a condo in this place, Pacific Heights, uh, or he's moving into a unit there. So yeah, yesterday on their way back from San Diego, we took a detour so he could show it to me. I was like, Seth, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you showing this teenager where you're going to live in your fancy condo? It's a bit weird. It is a bit weird. It also just seems to be sort of bragging. Mm, very like, much so. It's not yeah. even like it's not even creepy because you don't like taking her in there. It's just like look at our fancy place. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Well, Jessica wonders how he could afford it, seeing as he's like twenty three and a journalist in a small town <laughs> newspaper. Then she thinks of the fancy meal in Chez Sam <gasps> and mm. the, the Mazda he bought on impulse. Could his fast cash be coming from dodgy means? <gasps> oh, so she doesn't say anything about this, but she she has the fear. Mm. So at the office, Jessica discovers that the phone issue, the widespread phone issue, has been solved by the phone company. So she won't be able to do any more listening in. So while she's sorry she won't find out how things work out for Maggie and Junior, she, <laughs> she is relieved that she's not going to hear anything else that could make her a target. Um, so she also has to sort the mail that comes in for everybody. Like, what the hell kind of newspaper is this? I don't know. But at least, like, kind of like a mail drop does seem more in line with... Uh intern duties I suppose if that's just like a I don't know here sort out some mail and bring it to people true but I mean in the newspaper I worked there was somebody whose full-time job was to go through mm-hmm. all the posts that came in every day because so mm, you know also true. It's, uh, it's quite a lot because this seems to be a giant newspaper with lots of departments um so uh she's um she she Liz has has to go off and meet uh, some sort of tipster. That's I don't know because she's now like taking got confidential informants all over the God. place. Uh, so while Liz is off, Jessica sees an opportunity to confront Seth. 
yeah, she uh, calls into him with his mail and is straight to the point. She's just like, oh, yeah, Liz told me about your great new condo, new car, new apartment. You're really living in the fast lane these days, Seth. How do you swing it on the kind of money you make here? Is that really out of your business, Jessica? I know. There's just no beating around the bush. It's like straight to the point. It's just like, what's the story, Seth? How come you're so fucking loaded? <laughs> Uh, well, Seth uh, raises his eyebrows and is like, you're either going to make a good reporter, Jessica, or a good private detective. Talk about getting right to the heart of the matter. What a question. She's like, if it's such a good question, why don't you answer it? <laughs> She's a little bit OTG herself there, isn't she? Oh, she is. <laughs> and Seth uh, is amused and says, oh, he gets a bit OTG too. Let's just say we smart guys tend to have more than one irony in the fire. <laughs> and uh, she tries to push it and he gives her a smug smile and says that's all Ms. Nosy she's pretty nosy she's very nosy <laughs> so uh, he has to get back to a phone call and uh, which is basically his way of telling her like fuck off out of my office stop asking <laughs> we're personal- done here yeah. <laughs> stop yeah. asking personal questions um, <laughs> and Jessica reluctantly starts to leave but then the telex machine in the office rattles into action and Jessica realises she's heard that noise before oh so yeah she calls it this is the background noise that she heard in the last phone call between (gasps) Greenback and Rock oh my god Mm -mm. so she realised she had wondered if Seth might be Junior but now terror washes over her in waves we're told just like the ocean waves had washed (laughs) over the strangled body of Tracy Fox Wow, get in there, ghostwriter. You use that MA in writing that you have. <laughs> <And> that... <laughs> I mean, you know, gotta make that MFA pay. Absolutely. Um, so she also remembers the the comments about the nosy girl. Hadn't mm. Seth just called her Ms. Nosy? Jessica was convinced. Seth Miller was Greenback. Dun, dun, dun. So dramatic. Yes, it's great. <laughs> Meanwhile, Liz. <laughs> so stupid. Oh God, it's so stupid. And I read this book last week and then had to you know, go through it again to do my 10 zillion uh, notes. And I'd forgotten about this bit and actually <laughs> laughed out loud when I came to it again. Because Liz is en route. She's all excited mm-hmm. to meet an informant who has identified himself on the phone only as Old Riley (laughs) and gave his address as the North End of Moon Beach. Oh, love to see Moon Beach making an appearance, however. Love it. (laughs) So she's a bit nervous about meeting somebody somebody who, uh, like, has just said to call me Old Riley and meet me on Moon Beach. But she figures it's a public place. Well, she does, but she also thinks maybe she should have waited uh, for Seth to get off the phone instead of just taking off by herself. And it's like, yeah, dude, no shit. Like, you were 18 intern heading off to meet someone who's randomly rung in with a tip and you're going on your own and meeting this person who's giving you some weird address on Moon Beach. Like, (laughs) this is all very strange. Well, she sees a lone man uh, standing at an easel, sketching the seascape. And... There was absolutely nothing shady or suspicious about the appearance of the weather-beaten old man dressed in sun-bleached overalls and a straw hat. He's an artist, Elizabeth realised, her nervousness evaporating, because no artist has ever done anything creepy ever in the history of the world. Ever, ever. (laughs) All stand-up guys, every last one. (laughs) Well, 
old Riley, by the way, we can't find out what his name is, no. uh, uh, reveals that he saw, he recognised Tracy and he saw her walking sadly on the beach a few times. Mm. And what's more, he sketched her. <gasps> yeah, so he shows Liz uh, the picture of her that he drew. It's a girl in profile and she can see a distinct resemblance to the yearbook photo that she had of Tracy Fox. Mm. So she just kind of asks him, you know, did she come here every day? And he's like, no, not every day, a couple of times a week for about a month. Um, and he says that one time a man met her here and they Uh-oh. talked for a few minutes and then he left. Mm. So Liz is all kind of excited and she's like, oh my God, a man, maybe it was Rock. Um, the man who Jess believes murdered Tracy or maybe it had been Greenback himself. <gasps> so she's like, could you be able to describe this man for me? But uh, instead of answering, Owen Riley <laughs> takes up his pencil <laughs> and just knocks out a quick little sketch oh, of the goes. man that he saw. <laughs> so, just so, like a random dark haired dude. So it's it's actually not particularly helpful. Yeah, it's like another man in profile, like young, dark hair, straight nose, strong chin. There's something vaguely familiar about the likeness, apparently. And Liz is like, oh, have I seen this person before? Um, and Liz says, uh, or asks him, has he gone to the police with this information? And he says, well, you know, I did actually call the station mm. um, the very first time I read about her picture in the paper. And I told the officer, Detective Jason was <gasps> his name, about what I'd seen. Uh-oh. And he expected someone to get back to him. Um, but no one ever followed up on it. Hmm. I mean, it could be because you just gave your name as Old Riley and your address <laughs> as the Moon Beach. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was Jason. So, yes, this hmm. is suspicious. And, Very much so. Uh, he wished when he found out about, you know, now he knows more of the details. He wished he could have done more to help. But Liz thanks him oh. and leaves and she takes the sketch. She does. She kind of has one last look back at old Riley and his easel. <laughs> and at that point, I really, really hoped he was going to be gone and he was actually a ghost. I was, oh my God, I was really holding out for a ghost, but no such luck. <laughs> no, sadly. Mm. So she heads back to the office and Jess wants to talk about Seth, but then who should appear but Seth himself? And he invites mm. them to the Box Tree Cafe. Yeah, so Liz is about to agree to go with him and then Jess kind of cuts in and she's like, nope, sorry, we've got other plans. And like, yanks Liz like out of her seat and hauls her across the room into the uh, elevator and again Liz is like why are you being so rude to Seth oh my god um so Liz or Jess is like look I'll tell you when we get out of the building Mm. um and kind of like brings her down to a bench outside and uh she kind of tells her that she thinks that Seth is greenback and like fills her in on everything that she uh that she like found out and Mm. (laughs) overheard and heard in his office with the noise of the machine and all yes and uh, she tells that Seth was bragging about his smartness like someone who thought they were above the law i.e greenback so Liz (laughs) says that Seth is a really nice guy and he couldn't be involved uh because he's a friend and Liz is frustrated that he has bamboozled Liz or Jessica is frustrated that he has bamboozled Liz and Liz is totally dismissive it's like come on Liz like there is actually some evidence here like I know you want to trust your friend and it does seem Mm. ridiculous but he is uh, dark haired as uh, like the guy in the sketch and Mm. he did have the machine making the noise Jessica heard on Greenback's call so it's not a totally crazed suspicion it's not yeah and she kind of like yeah she calls Jessica like a, a raving lunatic and all this and Jessica's like no like listen to me and like is you know Jessica's kind of she's she is kind of onto something mm. here like there is a lot of stuff here pointing to Seth or at least something being up with him and uh, yeah Liz just is not willing to like just take a step back and look at it objectively at all because she's just like nope he's my friend and I'm only friends with brilliant people mm, of course 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so then Liz has a brainwave. She finally remembers where she saw Tracy before. And not only does she remember, she remembers in minute oh, detail. My God, so much detail. <laughs> Holy shit, it's ridiculous. <laughs> She's like, yes, it was a week or so, maybe more. I was coming in for lunch. I saw a girl in the reception area. She was standing near the elevator, blah, blah, blah. She looked really nervous. She was fidgeting, shifting her weight from one foot to the other, fussing with her hair. <laughs> It looks like I haven't been combed in a while. Her clothes were rumpled. It's like, how the fuck did you go from not knowing where you'd seen her to remembering, like, what her clothes were like two weeks ago? That's it. She goes from zero to fucking Sherlock. Like, it's like, <laughs> which is it, bitch? You either did not remember where you saw her or you remembered exactly what her hair looked like. <laughs> oh, she's back in her mind, palace. There you go. <laughs> so Liz uh, assumes that Tracy was coming to the news to blow the gang's cover and, you know, mm-hmm. reveal all to a reporter. But Jessica thinks she w- it's more likely she was coming to pick up drugs from you-know-who. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so Liz <laughs> says if they find out who she came to see, that would give them a clue and maybe clear Seth's name. So uh, Jess has a scheme. Yeah, and fair play to Jessica. Yeah, um, she scheme. points out that there's a there's a, vis- a visitor's register. So anyone who's not an employee of the building uh, who, who comes there has to sign in and say who they're there to visit. Um, she's like, all we have to do is get a look at the book. But apparently the person who uh, is like the receptionist for, for the entire building is a Ms. Lepage, <gasps> who's uh, apparently extremely nosy, but also very unfriendly. I don't know how that works, because how can you be nosy about stuff if you're not being friendly to people? You know? How are you going to get anything out of them? No, if you're not? of course. Yeah. Got in it. some ways friendly but anyway yeah apparently she's a bit of tough work anyway mm. so um yeah and she's given out to jessica for not showing her employee id badge promptly enough so she's um kind of yeah a, a tough woman to get past so they're like oh god there's no way we'll get a look at the register without her like knowing exactly what we're doing and telling everybody about it but um yeah jessica has a plan <laughs> she sure does <laughs> So they go down to the lobby and Liz idles near the je- desk while Jessica goes to the front door of the building and shrieks, oh my God, I just saw Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and Miss really flings herself out the door. Um, well, so Liz scuttles over and checks through the register and she's shocked to find who Tracy was visiting. <gasps> she was there to visit Seth. <gasps> So Ms. LePage returns, claiming she saw Michael Jackson too, and thanking Ooh. Jessica, who, uh, so they're all great pals now. Uh, <laughs> and Jessica's delighted with how this went, but she's stunned when Liz, can barely bring herself to say it, reveals <gasps> who Tracy was visiting. Mm, and she was only there for about 10 minutes, it looks mm. like, that uh, she had signed in herself, but then it was different handwriting in the, uh, the sign out time, mm. so something weird was going on. So on the way back to the office, Jessica's all, oh, I told you so, and claims she never trusted Seth. But Liz points out, well, initially you fancied him, so, you know, have a hedge and trust him. And uh, yeah, she points out that Tracy signed out 10 minutes later, so she clearly didn't make the office, uh, make it to the office, because if she had, people, you know, other reporters would have recognised her from the photo. True. And Jessica says, which is a good point, that, well, maybe Seth met her in somewhere quiet, like the stairwell. And Liz just can't believe that all oh, you know that Seth could be involved. But Jessica points out she doesn't really know him very well, and he claimed he didn't know Tracy at all, and she came to visit him, so he is hiding something. There you go. Yeah, she says, look, of course he's going to look and act like an ordinary person most of the time. That's how he pulls it all off. <gasps> so they decide they can't confront him in case he is dangerous, which is a good point. Um, so they decide they need to go through his files and somehow find <laughs> evidence for, for <laughs> proving his his innocence or guilt. 
I guess, yeah, because that's the kind of thing he would just keep in his office. <laughs> well, when they returned to the building that night, and Liz is still a bit like, I'm not really happy with this, but she only really went because uh, she didn't want Jessica to be there alone. Um, it's all quiet and deserted. And uh, yeah, apparently the paper's put to bed every night at 8pm. Very handy. So very well, early, I might add. That's very early, isn't it? <laughs> mm. So they reach the office and Jessica goes through files and she does wonder what does she think she's going to find. Like she thinks we'll find a folder labelled Greenback or Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so she finds a, a file about you know the Tracy Fox murder, but there's nothing useful there. And they decide to leave. But then they hear a noise at the other uh, end of the dark newsroom. Oh no, there's footsteps and they're coming closer, walking towards them <gasps> in the dark. <laughs> but then the light goes on and who could it be? It's Bill. Yes. So uh, Jessica is very relieved and Liz quickly says, oh, we had to get something for a piece we're working on with Seth. And Bill's like, oh, you know, cool. See you tomorrow. And then does a just one more thing. <laughs> Columbo style very Columbo of him. yes and he says oh Jessica you know I took this dictaphone for you, uh, tape from your desk uh, but then I realised didn't have my writing on it um, so you know don't think it's one of my um, my voice memos is it yours and of course it's her eavesdropping tape uh oh yeah so it's the tape that recorded the last few delivery service mm. messages and the conversation about the bad cop and she's like oh my god I left this lying around what a dummy so uh, she's like oh god she kind of is watching his expression mm. and reckons that he looks so nonchalant that he has no idea what actually is on the tape yes uh, so she's like okay that's grand so they just kind of head back down to the jeep thinking that they got very lucky that time <laughs> well lucky for the moment because as they drive home, Jessica is like, oh, what would have happened if Seth had found the tape? But then Liz jerks the car around a corner because they're being followed. Oh, yeah. Liz noticed a car in the rearview mirror. There's a sleek, dark car that's been trailing a short distance behind the Jeep uh, since they left the office building. And then she takes these two kind of sharp turns and it's still behind them. Uh, and like when she speeds up, so does this other sneaky car. Uh, and it's it's a proper chase. Like. <laughs> really is. It's very dramatic. At least to some impressive driving. She fucking Fast and the Furious is her way out of this thing. Like, <laughs> races through this like quiet neighbourhood uh, and says that she's not going to be able to outrun him. So she slams on the brakes, pulls into a driveway and backs up onto the street to head back in the opposite direction. Um, and apparently the other car has also braked at this point. So they actually pass each other on the road. And Liz like raises a hand to shield her face from the other driver. But Jessica's like craning her neck to try and get a look. <laughs> Um, and says it's it's uh, it's one guy uh, with light hair and a hat and a baseball cap, but he's turned his face away. <gasps> but um, Jessica's kind of like, OK, yeah, that was pretty weird. Um, so Liz is like, oh, my God, you were right. There was somebody watching the building and watching us. And Jess remembers the guy that was kind of following her at lunchtime. And she's like, oh, my God, if that was the same guy, this could have been like Rock or somebody from the phone calls. <gasps> uh, so that was pretty scary. Really is. And she wonders mm. what if, you know, Rock gave, if it is Rock, he gave up pretty quickly um, yeah. you know when when Liz did her Yui but what if next time he doesn't give up so easily mm. we cut to the beach where Lila is urging Jessica to see what's washed up on the shore this is very strange and mm. Sweet Valley news reporters are gathered around something it's a man with dark hair he's strangling a girl the girl <gasps> is Jessica no and then she wakes up because it was no, all a dream just this part though not everything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have been quite the cop out 
Yeah, very much so. <laughs> well, it was time to start her first day as an intern. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> well, Jessica says they have to tell somebody about Seth, but Liz refuses to believe he's involved. Oh, for God's sake. And in fairness, they realise they can't call the police because of a bad cop. Though they could, yeah. you know, there must be like some county police or something. You know, or at least their parents at this stage. Yes. Come on. <laughs> at least. Well, it's the weekend now and Jessica won't leave the house all the whole time, even for Winston's party. Oh, I really hoped we were going to get some more about Winston's party or maybe somebody would go. But that's that's all we get from Winston's party is that there is one and Jess is going to miss it. I think, uh, I don't know about you, but my brain now thinks of TV Winston. Oh, in yeah. Books. It's great. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like... Jessica does want to, you know, tell the world about Seth, but Liz asks her to like give her till Monday to clear Seth's name. Which <laughs> I don't know why this ultimatum is made because it doesn't really go anywhere. No. Um. So on Monday, Jessica cannot stand the tension any longer. She has to confide in someone. Liz is into the office, so she thinks there's somebody she can trust. It's Bill. Of course, yes. <laughs> so she tells him all, tells him this drug ring running from his office, um, which she figures like he should know this. And uh, <laughs> she reveals the identity of Greenback. Uh, it's Seth Miller. And Bill is understandably surprised, but he agrees Seth has been acting weirdly, his lavish <gasps> lifestyle, mysterious phone calls. Mm. So um, he has an idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, when he says, yeah, that this all kind of, it makes sense and, and it adds up. And he also praises her as well for checking the visitor's register and says that she's quite a sleuth. So she's delighted with this. Um, but uh, when she's like, should we confront Seth? He's like, no, it'd be best to take the whole story to the police. So he tells her that uh, he has to, she's going up to some like thing at the country club, um, but says he'll be working late. So he's like, look, meet me back here tonight. We can go to the station and make a statement together. Uh, so he's, he's kind of saying he'll bring her mm. to the police station and they'll, they'll tell all together. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, she, uh, she's, she's happy about this. Um, and cause she hasn't, but she's, she's hesitant for a moment because she hadn't mentioned the bad cop to him. Mm. So she's like, oh, is it going to be safe? But then she remembers the talk of the undercover cop and realizes it must be Bill. Aha. She thinks it explains his vague answer about his past. <laughs> so you would hope that a cop would have a better cover story. <laughs> very true yes what a jack of all trades me yeah, yeah jack of all trades you know that's followed by master of none though yes <laughs> like, what do you even do bill get out of here there's so many questions about the hiring practices of this <laughs> who is running this show <laughs> so uh jessica's incredibly relieved and she heads off for the afternoon to the country club to meet lila for tennis round robin and garden Hooray! party oh so fancy <laughs> so um on her way out, she sees Ben hanging around reception and he asks her out tonight, but now she knows how boring he is. She's just like, oh, whatever, see you around. <laughs> I've got other plans, baby. Yep, <laughs> off she goes. So after lunch, Liz decides she has to talk to Seth. She decides he's her friend and he deserves the chance to make his case. So she tells him about Tracy coming in to see him. She knows that, you know, um, Tracy had the point, like wrote his name in the visitor's <laughs> book and Seth is stunned. Yeah, his draw, his jaw drops. He is completely bamboozled by this revelation. Uh, and Liz is like, look, I've got to know the truth. How did you know her? Like, what was the relationship? And why didn't you tell the police that she came to see you? So she's just got all these questions. And Seth is like, I had no relationship with her. He's like, literally, I'd never even heard of her until I started writing about her death. Um, and he 
can't figure how his name is what's in the register um, from when she was there. But then he kind of suddenly remembers that he had a few a few weeks ago, he got a phone call uh, that he'd almost forgotten about. Mm. He's like, some investigative reporter I am, he said grimly. Yeah, um, I mean, so, <laughs> like, yeah. Come on, Seth. But yeah, apparently some girl called him, uh, wouldn't give her name, but she sounded young and nervous and said she wanted to talk to him right away about something really important. So he told her to come over as soon as she could. And she'd called me, she'd called him in the morning and it was whatever date that uh, that she had been in the build, in the building. And Liz is like, oh my God, that was definitely Tracy Fox because the dates all add up. Uh, so she reckons, yeah, she was planning to expose the drug rings. So Seth is like, I never saw her. So Liz kind of does agree that like the fact that she had only been in the building for like, 10 minutes really wouldn't have given her enough time to meet anybody um so she reckons she probably got cold feet and left but then seth is like or she was scared off by something or someone (gasps) (laughs) Uh oh uh so uh yeah she um she does a I, I just love that that everybody in this book is just having these really detailed some <laughs> returned recovered memories <laughs> I don't know what this was about who is this person no wait I remember exactly what kind of watch they were wearing <laughs> and the second button was undone <laughs> There is a lot of that, it's true. (laughs) Well, Liz realises, or Liz apologises for doubting him. I mean, she still has no proof he didn't do it. This is going to be bullshit. Like, he hasn't offered her any proof. But Mm -hmm. he says he does think, he can't reveal any more because he's waiting for proof. Um, But he does think somebody connected to the newspaper had something to do with Tracy's death and he's waiting to have info faxed to his house and in fairness this makes sense because he's he knows it's too risky to get it sent to work because somebody yeah. you know if there is somebody involved they might see mm. it so he suggests that she call to his place later to see it and at least Liz is sensible um and says that they should meet somewhere public yeah, and she kind of, she says it kind of haltingly and she sees that he he looks a bit hurt by the fact that she obviously still doubts him. But like, yes, Liz, this yeah. is wise of you. Uh, and also at this point, I just written down, I wish these grown men would stop arranging to meet teen girls at night oh alone. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Every single person in this book behaves extremely inappropriately. So badly. Everyone is so unprofessional. <laughs> well, on the way home, Liz stops to buy fresh produce, which is, I don't, really understand why that's a like that Americanism where people don't just say vegetables because that seems to be what it means is that literally what it means oh well it is they they literally they then just list out a bunch of vegetables that she buys exactly yeah it's like so much detail we did not need no well uh she who should she meet in the queue but rose the receptionist Uh yeah so she says you know that they miss her at the paper um especially jessica now that she's been answering phones since she left she's like how do you like the new job um but rose is like what new job i've been looking ever since bill fired me but i still haven't found anything um, so obviously Liz is like whoa what are you talking about because she's like no Bill definitely said that Rose quit to take a better job somewhere else uh, and Rose is really down about the whole thing she's like oh I guess loyalty doesn't mean anything these days it's really hard and her and her husband are obviously having a tough time of things with money at the minute um, so she's like oh god okay so you'll find something and kind of runs off she's like good luck but she's just like did I definitely hear Bill say yeah. that? And she kind of starts doubting herself. And she's like, why would he say that she'd quit to take another job if he'd fired her and kind of can't really figure out? She's like, maybe I remembered things wrong. Um, but I suppose there's been so much going on in the office lately that she just can't remember the exact words that Bill used uh, when he said that Rose had left. Yeah. So she's just a bit kind of confused by the whole thing. Well, she gets home and she finds a note from Jessica about the that um, she's going to, she's going back in to meet Bill to tell the mm. police about Seth. And Liz is like, "Oh fuck!" But Seth might might have you know 
looks like Seth has evidence to prove his innocence. Um, so yeah. she tries to go at the country club. She tries to go at Lila's. No joy. So uh, she hurries off to meet Seth and hopefully he'll be able to, you know, reveal the truth. So at nine, Lila drops Jessica at the Western building and asks if she and Bill are dating. And at oh, least, God. like, fuck, Jessica bursts out laughing and is like, oh my God, of course not. Thank God. Come on, Lila. Um, now, she does tell a lie. She says they're working on a big project and Lila can tell she's lying. But Jessica, mm. Jessica's like, look, you'll get the full story tomorrow. And she uh, she fantasizes about uh, the headline. She's imagining it reading, <laughs> reporter Seth Miller busted for drug dealing and murder. I mean, it shows some self-restraint that she didn't say, you know, busted by Jessica Wakefield, star intern and budding reporter. I'm actually surprised she didn't put herself in there. That's her usual vibe. So, you know, it's good for you, Jessica. I guess that's growth. Good point. Well, Jessica goes in and finds Bill in his office. The newsroom is deserted. And uh, Bill is, uh, he's not quite himself. Yeah, it's all a bit strange. He's kind of hunched over his desk. And when she enters, uh, he's kind of startled. He sits up abruptly and like pushes something off to the side of his desk in among mm. all the papers. Um, and she's like, oh, OK, what's going on here? Uh, she's like, oh, sorry about that. I'm, I'm a bit early. I didn't mean to startle you. And he's like, oh, it's OK. I'm just a, a little distracted. Mm. And he's kind of like making all these like rapid movements and like flashes her a smile. And he's like, oh, you know, I just got a great story idea. And then I'd scribble down some notes. And he's all a little bit hyper and jittery. Yes, I... <laughs> she's like. I wonder why. I wonder why. What's going on here? But then she thinks he's nervous because she thinks there's going to be she she um she thinks because he's an undercover cop, but she's decided there's going to be a big scene at the at the police station, and uh, maybe there'll even be a shootout. Jesus she seems quite excited about the possibility of being caught in the crossfire. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she um she suggests that they head over to the station straight away but then Bill sits back and is like what's the rush hmm. and she's like eh, well you know I guess there is one but like you know, lives are at stake like mine and then Bill laughed a strange high pitched giggle that sent a shiver down Jessica's spine <laughs> I love it. Oh my god. I want to hear it. Oh, Bill, you giggly weirdo. <laughs> Your life, Jessica, is in very good hands. Hmm. And the police aren't going anywhere. So she's just like, what the fuck is happening? This is really inappropriate and very out of character. He's usually so nice. And she and thinks he's like a stranger and a very unattractive one. And mm. notices his necktie is loose, his hair is rumpled. No, no, <laughs> his blue eyes that usually made her swoon are watery and bloodshot. Oh, no, then, she thinks maybe he's sick, but he's not sick. Because what should she see? The corner of his desk. Oh my God! It's a little plastic vial containing some kind of white powder <gasps> with a tiny spoon attached to it. It's quite a little setup he's got there. Oh my god. I've att- like just attached to it. This is like a re at least it's reusable. It's got a little coke spoon and <laughs> it's quite something. Oh god. And <laughs> uh, so um she realizes he's off his face on coke and he's not gonna yeah. take her to the station but she does assume he must be buying it from Seth. 
Oh, Jess. Yeah, this is her first thought is that, yeah, that he's, he's buying the drugs from Seth, but she's still suitably frightened that she needs to get out of there um, and kind of jumps up out of her seat. And when he's like, where are you going? <laughs> she uh, she says she just remembered uh, she has to meet someone. And she's like, look, we can take care of this tomorrow, can't we? Um, so she kind of reaches behind her, reaching for the door. And Bill goes, you're not going anywhere. <gasps> lunges at her. Lunges, no less. Oh no. So she screams and runs away, turning off the light so she can escape in the darkness. Oh my God. We cut to the Box Tree Cafe where Liz arrives to meet Seth and he does have evidence. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so this uh, information he was waiting on uh, has turned over, turned up. Uh, he shows her a bunch of faxes from like various newspapers mm. around the country and there's all these different articles about like teens uh, being killed like with like links to drug rings <gasps> and stuff. But uh, it's all kind of teens in or about Tracy's age. Uh-oh. There's like five different articles, each from a different city. Um, and he kind of says, look, the only connection between all of these is that somebody we know was <gasps> working in all of these at the times of all these murders. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who could that person be? <laughs> Why, it's Bill Anderson. <laughs> and to Seth has the mug shots to prove it. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he he, he did some digging into uh, Bill, found out, yeah, he's lived in all these different cities. And uh, there is literally a mug shot of Bill uh, with his hair a lighter colour and he has a moustache and he's <laughs> using another name, but it's definitely him. Uh, and then Liz realises that the sketch that old Riley <laughs> drew was uh, actually of Bill. Um, so, yeah, apparently Bill's got a criminal record a mile long that <gasps> I guess the Sweet Valley News just did not pick up <laughs> or do anything like a background check on this man oh, they give a shit that he had no you know mm-hmm. no relevant experience so why whatsoever. would they hmm. oh my god but yeah so he um he reckons that if he didn't commit the murders himself he ordered someone to do it and every time he managed to skip town just one step ahead of the law <gasps> so he'd move to a new place and change his name and appearance make some new connections and set up shop all over again yeah. so uh he realizes that uh bill's been running a drug ring out of the sweet valley news office and it serves the sweet valley news right because of their Honest very god. inept hiring policy so lax like what are they doing so Liz tells him about the whole greenback rock coyote business and he asks why Seth hasn't gone to the police with all this stuff he's found and he says uh, Seth says he needs to gather evidence first um, and now he has it uh, so you know Bill won't basically have time to skip town but then oh. horrified Liz belatedly remembers where Bill is right now uh oh he's with Jessica back at the freaking offices oh no <gasps> they've got to stop him mm-hmm we cut to the office where a panicked Jessica runs for the lift and uh, she's surprised Bill hasn't turned on the light but she realises it's because he's going to kill her and he doesn't want people outside to see because obviously they're oh, in no. a glass-walled office without Very uh, true. curtains. Yes. Um, <laughs> so she realises she'd be trapped. This is actually quite tense. She realises hmm. she'd be trapped if she went into the lift because he could just like, you know, catch up with her and get inside. So she crawls back towards her office in the dark so she can ring for help. And when she gets there, she picks up the phone. But the line is dead. No. Oh, God. She tries Liz's desk as well. But that phone is also dead. And like, poor Jess, this actually is quite stressful. because like <laughs> Just a bit. Uh, there's one point where she's like, she can hear like labored breathing and she's like, oh my God, is that Bill or is that just me? Like, she's so freaked out. Um, So yeah, she's rightly fucked now because she's kind of backed herself into a corner now in the office. And uh, when she realizes both phones are dead, the light comes on in the office <gasps> and there's Bill in the doorway. <gasps> With an eerie smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that he disconnected the phone and says, you shall there by now, Jessica. That <laughs> phone brings you nothing but trouble. No. <gasps> 
So, um, yeah, he's uh, he advances towards her really slowly, which is kind of hilarious. Like, he's... <laughs> <laughs> he just continues to walk slowly towards her and he takes oh off his tie and he sort of like flexes it so she yeah. realises he's you know what he's got in mind uh, and she's trapped oh no we cut to Liz who was another sprinter she's sprinting <laughs> out of the Box Street Cafe to a, pay, a payphone and uh, she rings the police station and uh says that you know she has to report Bill Anderson and he's responsible for the murder of Tracy Fox and her sister is with her in the western building and the police van who initially you think oh my god this is just typical Sweet Valley police crap this he's all like whoa 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 calm down (laughs) isn't he an editor and she's like yes he's also a criminal (laughs) so um the policeman's like, you know, well, you're, didn't you, why did your sister arrange to meet him then? If he's a criminal, well, she must have a different opinion of him than you. And she hasn't called us. And Liz is like, yes, because she is probably being murdered right now. And the cop is all like, eh, there's no emergency as far as I can tell. And Liz finally asks who she's talking to. And who could it be? <gasps> it's that scumbag detective, Jason. <gasps> So Liz realises that's the person that both Jess and old Riley went to and thinks maybe he is the bad cop. I mean, oh my God. No shit. Jesus Christ, Liz. Come on. However, how badly does it make the Sweet Valley police look that like until it was revealed that it was Detective Jason on the phone, it was just like, oh, this is typical Sweet Valley cop bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Those guys are so useless. Like this wasn't out of the ordinary. (laughs) I genuinely did think it was just one of the usual crew. This is just what they're like. (laughs) So she realises they can't count on the police. uh, Like, why does she dial... I was going to say 999. Why doesn't she tell 911? Because presumably Jason doesn't answer every single call. This is it. He's just literally, he's the only cop in the station that just answers all the phone calls. Well, meanwhile, back in the office, a terrified Jess is still waiting to be strangled as Bill goes very, very slowly (laughs) towards her. But instead, he grabs her arm and yanks her out of the office. Yeah, he like pushes her ahead of him uh, into the elevator and Jessica's like, oh my God, he's kidnapping me. And then she's like, maybe he'll hold me for ransom. And this is kind of like a silver lining. She's like, oh, her parents will pay any amount to get her back. But then she thinks about Tracy and she's like, oh no, these guys are making enough money from drugs. They're not going to bother with ransom. They're just going to get me out of the way somehow. So she's really starting to freak out now and is about to just kind of get like overwhelmed with hysteria because, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, But Bill then tells her that they're going to uh, take a little ride to the roof. (laughs) By the way, I do like that she just really, when she when she thinks that she's being kidnapped, just like, oh, phew, because like, she just takes yeah. her stride. And she she, so she brightens up at that. She's yeah. like, kidnapped? <laughs> Try something new, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first person to kidnap me or my sister. <laughs> well, she's going up on the lift with Greenback. And when he says, up to the roof, as he spoke, Jessica heard a new note in Bill's voice. Cold cruel and familiar she had heard that sound before but never in person only over the phone (laughs) suddenly the full realization hit jessica you're greenback she whispered (gasps) i mean i just like the idea that he was talking normally and then you know as this night progressed he's got a little bit more otg And he laughs and says, You finally got the story straight. 
But I should <laughs> thank you, Jessica, for pointing out how easy it's going to be to frame Seth for Tracy's murder. And for yours! No, no! <laughs> oh, he's in full OTG mode. And Truly. Jessica realises that in a few minutes she's going to be alone on the roof with the ruthless greenback. Oh no! <laughs> so uh, Seth pulls up outside the Western Building, and Liz sprints yet again <laughs> into the building. Oh my God, so sprinty! Yeah, that's <laughs> why she's not on the track team. No, they're both tearing around the place. This whole thing. <laughs> but someone grabs her arm. Who could it be? Oh, it's Mr. Gorgeous, Ben something. Yes, Ben Donovan. <laughs> and uh, he thinks it's, uh, he's, you know, he's bumped into Jessica and says he was just coming over because he saw Anderson look like he was threatening her. So he was on his way to help. Um, but Jessica says, that's her sister. And she's, uh, she's in trouble. And then Ben whips out a radio and brandishes <gasps> a badge. Oh my God, he's the undercover cop. He sure <laughs> is. Who could have seen that one coming? <laughs> I really thought he was going to be junior for a while to be honest oh yeah that would have been good uh, yeah. spoiler alert we don't find out what happens to junior oh I know yeah I really thought when she met Ben for the first time he was going to be like hi Jessica and he was like weird nasal <laughs> voice but no such luck <laughs> I've got to ring my mom first so we cut to the windswept roof because apparently it's suddenly now the weather's turned bad it's a lot of panic policy in Sweet Valley absolutely Jessica (laughs) considers running but Greenback says he'll strangle her if she tries uh oh and he makes her walk to the edge of the roof and it's like a seven story drop and uh She's she's like, oh, this can't be Bill. How could he turn out to be so completely evil? And she's like, why, why are you doing this? And he starts snapping the necktie and says, this is just part of doing business. He replies coolly. But then Jessica makes him lose his cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's like, why are you in this business? One of these days it's going to destroy you too, Bill. No, it's not. He <laughs> yelled at her. I control it. It doesn't control me. And apparently his once handsome face was contorted with fury. <laughs> I just wrote down, Bill, you fucking cokehead. What are you doing? It's <laughs> <laughs> in a coke-fueled rage. Jesus. And then he grabs Jessica and puts a parting gift in her pocket. It's a oh pocket of coke. <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, so he's like, she realises he's planting drugs on her so that when her body is found, the cops are going to think that she's been involved with the drug ring. Um, So yeah, Bill's got it all worked out and he's walking towards her, his strong hands lifted. So um, yeah, it's looking pretty grim for Jessica. Yeah, because he points out that when people find her lifeless body outside the building, uh, there won't be any marks on the body this time. Um, Mm. And she says, you'll never get away with this. She replies with grotesque confidence. Oh, I'll get away with it. I've got away with it time and time again. The trick is having other people do your dirty work for you. But this is going to be a special pleasure. I'm glad to have it all to myself. Oh, my God. And then he gets into a hilarious, like, villain speech. Oh, God. Yeah, it just explains everything. Yeah, you thought you were so smart. Blah, 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 blah. Jason is my best friend. And, you know, I thought I'd stopped your nonsense by firing Rose, but you went on spying. And she's like, nobody knows about it. But um, he's like, this is too late. This is big business. You teenage coils are idiots. Do you think you can play the game? To think you can beat my organization? And then his voice drops to a hiss. <gasps> Tracy Fox rings. <laughs> 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 oh, 
I'm loving your commitment to this, by the way. This is great. <laughs> this is my childhood acting dreams coming out. So, yeah, she says that Tracy made a few deliveries, but then she thought she could double, double cross us. Well, there you go. <laughs> blow our cover. And you know what happened to her? Uh-oh. <laughs> so Jessica's stepping backwards and she's right on the ledge. Oh no, poor Jessica. She's got tears streaming down her face and everything. So uh, yeah, it's it's not looking good. And uh, Bill reveals that Rock wanted to uh, wanted to kill her. But um, uh, apparently he's uh, been itching for the chance to do you win. But why should he have all the fun? So Jessica has to close her eyes because she doesn't want Bill's gloating features to be the last thing she ever sees. She thinks of Jessica and how much she loves, or Liz, and how much she loves her. But then she hears pounding footsteps. Oh my God, yes, she realises somebody else is on the roof uh, and sees Liz and Seth and another man running towards her and realises it's Ben Donovan. Oh my God. And Ben rugby tackles uh, (laughs) Jessica, or or Bill. Jessica. Jessica. (laughs) That would be tragic. Unexpected. It was you all the time, Jessica. You are a greenback. <laughs> oh, he won't be tackles Bill, and uh, it's a mortal struggle. And they're locked in a deadly embrace. And, oh my god! Uh, Seth is just hovering over them, sort of. Going, ah, ah. I know because I was reading this, and I was like, "What the fuck is Seth doing? Just standing there?" And literally, yes, that is what he's doing. Yeah, not much. No. So. Um, yeah, eventually Bill manages to shove Ben off and he jumps to his feet and he tries to push Ben off the roof. But then he trips. Uh-oh, yeah, Bill's uh, foot catches on a piece of rooftop rubble and he trips. And for a moment that seemed to last forever, his body was poised over nothingness like he's fucking Wiley Coyote or something. <laughs> then, with a final defiant blood-curdling shout, Bill fell over the edge and disappeared from sight. I love that it's a, it's a defiant shout. It's like, you weren't going to get me! <laughs> With the final defiant high-pitched giggle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, greenback. So um, Liz embraces and comforts Jess. She's distressed and nearly being murdered. And seeing somebody fall to their pretty grotesque death fades Mm -hmm. very quickly. To a worryingly quickly, some would say. Oh, quickly. Oh, my God. Yeah, she uh, realizes that um, Ben was the undercover cop mm-hmm. actually all along. Um, yeah, so when he reveals that, then she's like, "Oh my god!" She's re- kind of embarrassed that she thought that Bill had been the um, the undercover cop and kind of doesn't tell anybody that part. But um, yeah, he Ben then reveals that he knew the drug ring was operating out of the Western Building, but needed evidence uh, that Bill was involved. They were ready to close in on them when he tried to close in on you. Ooh, punning <laughs> in this stressful time, <laughs> Ben. Very well done. <laughs> so uh yeah apparently he um uh he saw uh tracy running out of the lobby when she saw bill and mm. that um that's why bill had her killed and uh they all have a little moment to feel sorry for tracy even jessica for a split second doesn't last long even just for a second yeah so Ben says, conveniently, the drug ring will fall apart without Greenback. And uh, they all That's work. how drug operations work. Yeah. You know, you take out the kingpin and it all just goes away. Nobody tries to take over. Never. Never happened before. Uh-huh. Never. Um, so they already have leads to arrest all those various goons and dealers, including Kevin Stone, Tracy's killer. And Jessica realises it must be Rock. Oh, she's cracked the code. Yes. So, um... 
She tells Ben all about the phone calls and the codes, which we get recapped for no real reason. Oh, it's, God. We know. Uh... We do know. And when she tells um, Ben that Detective Jason knew all about this stuff and obviously wasn't passing it on, Ben radios the station and tells them to detain Jason for questioning. Don't let him leave. Because uh-huh. they did know there was a dirty cop, but they didn't know who. Aha. Uh-huh. Very good. Ben also says, very, very worryingly, that when she was like giving him the the eye through the window, he says, I jumped at the chance to get acquainted with a news employee and a pretty girl, he added smilingly. And it's like, you're a fucking policeman. And she is 16. I mean, nope, not good. <laughs> bloody hell, man. Arrest yourself, Ben. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Well, she thought she'd, you know, he thought he'd learn something about Anderson's behaviour, but, you know, he had no idea that, obviously, that Jessica was on the case. Mm. So, um, Jessica acknowledges that, you know, she could have handled things a bit better, but she's still stunned that somebody as charming and smart as Ben was evil, and Ben is, uh, or was Bill, is evil. And we get a little reminder that, um, you know, how much damage doing drugs does and dealing drugs uh-huh. does. <laughs> she thinks... Um, that uh, she would never see Bill Anderson, those compelling blue eyes, that charming smile again, and mm-hmm. never again would she hear Greenback's murderous voice. <laughs> Greenback is gone, she said out loud. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so, yeah, they realised Coyote was Tracy Fox, and Greenback was Bill, like Dollar Bill, and then they all mm-hmm. pondered the fragility of life and head off. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and on the way, Seth tells Ben about his investigation. Turns out Sweet Valley Police, fucking useless as ever. They had no idea that Bill was a cross-country killer and drug lord. Jesus Christ. Like, this, like, early 20s man reporter guy, like, had <laughs> it all figured out. And the cops were like, oh, I guess. <laughs> well, Liz finally, or Jessica finally lets the drama of what's happened sink in. And she actually gets a bit upset. And, uh... Liz comforts her and slowly a feeling, because obviously any human emotion can't last long, Mm. literally like two seconds of trauma, slowly a feeling of security returns to her. It was like waking up after a black stormy night to a sunny Southern California morning. The nightmare was over. At least until the next super thriller. (laughs) I mean, that's probably going to be next week. So, (laughs) Well, they give the evidence, they ring their parents. Seth leaves copies of his research with Ben and he's delighted he's going to have a big scoop. And he gives the girls a lift home. And Jessica asks them the the big question. If he wasn't a drug lord, how did he get all his cash? Yes, exactly. So he says, you know, that he uh, he writes mystery novels in his spare time. And Jess is like, yeah, yeah, we know all that already. Apparently his pen name is Lester Ames. Hmm. I don't know about that name, okay. but um, maybe just from watching Succession, I'm just the name Lester is just ruined forever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so he apparently was saying that his first book was published recently and it's selling really well. So his publisher was so happy about it. She gave him a contract for five more books and a big check as an advance. So that's why he's been splashing the cash all around the place. I mean, such a big check that he can buy cars and condos in cash. And, condos. <laughs> and he does point out that he actually has to write five more books. And yes. do they have any ideas? And of course, Jessica does. 
<laughs> I know, Jessica announced. How about a story about a gorgeous, blonde 16-year-old who works at a newspaper office and helps solve a major crime? Seth is like, yeah, not bad. The title could be Elizabeth Wakefield, super reporter. <laughs> Jessica's like bristling in the back seat of this. I kind of love Seth in this scene because uh, yeah, Jessica's, so like, Jessica's really like, oh, I please don't have anything to do with it. And uh, <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, sorry. You're like, you're absolutely right. Maybe a catcher title would be, a catchier title would be Jessica Wakefield, eavesdropper extraordinaire. <laughs> and Jessica's like oh very funny if it weren't for me things would have t- worked out very differently tonight and Seth is like yeah if you went your way I'd have spent the rest of my life behind bars <laughs> that is quite good yeah I'm kind of digging Seth at this stage so Liz is like okay come on let's have a truce after Jessica says if you did you'd have lots of time to work on your mystery novels um, <laughs> she's also right there though <laughs> yeah. so they head to the Dairy Burger and Seth hopes the next month of their internship will be quieter and uh Jessica says, like, come on, this is Sweet Valley. Nothing ever happens here. Elizabeth smiled ironically. That's right. Drug rings, murders, undercover agents. This must be the dullest town on earth. I mean, I'll tell the rest. <laughs> and so much other <laughs> shit, but okay. Let's keep pretending like nothing happens here. <laughs> well, the next day, the twins at the office, uh, or the twins arrive at the office, and Liz asks if Jess is okay to work after her, we're told, nearly fatal encounter with Bill Anderson, alias Greenback, the murderous drug dealer, just in case you've forgotten who he is in the last five like, pages. <laughs> we know, guys, it just happened. <laughs> Uh, but she's grand because you know Bill's gone and Liz is like all's well that ends well but Jessica says they've one more mystery to solve yeah she says that she never did find out what happened with Maggie and Frank and Craig yeah Liz thinks she stayed with Frank Jessica thinks she ran off with the tennis pro and Liz says it looks like some mysteries aren't destined to be solved so Jessica gets a hero's welcome when she comes into the newsroom but she's annoyed she doesn't get a party though generously (laughs) acknowledges that everybody might be a bit freaked out about their colleague being a murderer and then falling off a roof (laughs) very true yeah that's like an unusual bit of self-awareness from Jessica (laughs) I mean again doesn't last long Hmm. because uh Je- uh, Seth shows uh, the twins the page proofs of the big story. They're doing like a special edition all about mm-hmm. the the expose of the drug ring and Bill Anderson's criminal past. And she's delighted to see that there's a photo of her. But she says, I think this photo should be centred right in the middle of the page and enlarged if possible. Also, would you try to squeeze my name into the headline? And Seth, <laughs> I couldn't, this way I kind of like Seth. He's like, oh, that rolls his eyes and goes, that's what I get for asking. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> and then who should arrive? Another Rose. old face. Rose is back. Yes, she's uh, she's been restored to her job and she's delighted. Though she asks Jess, you know, you know, you, bless you, you want to stay in the bones, Jessica. And Jessica reacts dramatically. Yes, her eyes widen and she backs away from the telephone with her hands held out in a posture of self-defence. And she's like, no, thank you. She said, shaking her head vehemently. Never again. Chased by Elizabeth and Seth's laughter, Jessica made a beeline for the sanctuary of the newspaper morgue. I think I have some filing to do. And that's the end of Murder on the Line. Wow. (laughs) It was amazing. That was pretty great. Oh, my God. Yes. Such a needed uh, upswing after the fucking long lost whoever the fuck. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this was exactly what we needed for our Halloween <laughs> yes. special. It had uh, murder, it had OTGs. Oh, all the things you want. It had a man that we have decided it was a ghost. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Riley was a ghost. He was a ghost, okay? We've decided. In the spirit of Halloween. <laughs> yes. So, did uh, we may have not had a ghost, but did we have stats and outfits? 
We did. Okay, we had some of each. So now the blue green eyes only got one mention, which is like nothing. Uh, the blondness got five mentions, which is pretty solid. Uh, but then Bill's blue eyes got six mentions. So you know that was a handsome cocaine. Oh right my there. god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, in terms of outfits, we had Lila at the beach wearing dark sunglasses and an oversized T-shirt because, you know, she's a glamour. Yes, yes. Uh, Jessica wears, oh yeah, when she's off on her very inappropriate date with Ben Donovan uh, on her lunch break, she's wearing a new jade green knit mini dress and a black blazer to work, which, you yeah. know, actually sounds all right. Yeah, it does actually. Um, and then that home shopping lady uh, bought that whole, like, fucking six poodle cardigans and I, <laughs> no, I, thought they were going to be, I thought they were going to be like cardigans with like a poodle on them or like a poodle a pattern of poodles or something I thought they'd like be like a picture of a dog on the cardigan yes, basically that's right. but uh the kind of description of them when they actually see her in the lift and then kind of fall out of it laughing uh once th- she's gone Liz is like all those puffballs she did look exactly like a poodle so it's more like a cardigan that makes you look like oh. a poodle which I kind of can't picture to be honest well, maybe but it's like a covered in tiny balls but maybe there's like three dimensional like maybe the poodle on the cardigan has three dimensional sort of puffy fluffy Ooh, bits maybe listeners help Ooh. us out here is this a thing yeah. are we missing I something i just couldn't picture it because i thought it was going to be yeah the, the, the pattern would be of little poodles or what but then it sounded like she looked like a poodle wearing it so i don't know was a poodle cardigan a style of cardigan i have no idea a poodle skirt involves a is a picture of a poodle it is, yeah. That's that big swingy kind of fifties yeah, one, isn't which it? I like. Yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, listeners, let us know. Um, Absolutely. Because of course we do love hearing from you, and you know where you can find us. You can find us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on Instagram at svhpodcast. And uh, on Instagram, a lot of you had a lot of fun. Uh, playing a little uh, little game that Karen concocted. Yes, I I mentioned it in our, our bonus episode last week that I'm I've decided not to be afraid of reels. So I made two reels uh, for our page. So if you go to that section, there's actually something in there. Uh, so there's two games you can find your sweet valley high boyfriend or your sweet valley high girlfriend or why not both? Mm-hmm. Yes, and a lot of you were very ex- ah. I was trying to look at the comments and it started playing it. <laughs> Damn it, it didn't do that earlier. Each comes with its own delightful soundtrack. It does. Very <laughs> suitable. And uh, yes, there was there were a lot of comments. A lot of people very happy to get Mr. Collins and get Ken. Uh, people very sad that they got uh, Nicholas Morrow. Um, Nary Siren said, George Warren, no thanks. I'm not into being crash landed and then dumped. <laughs> very fair. So uh, yes, a lot of uh, excitement for himbo ken and mr collins but um it's quite an eclectic crew it has to be said and it's the same with the girls yeah there's there's something for everyone whether you want them or not i'm like it's <laughs> like one very unfortunate listener got nicholas morrow three times in a row so well, well, you know, <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> you can't fight fate you can't fight nicholas morrow <laughs> oh god <laughs> Well, we won't go any further there. Oh, Jesus. Uh, people were, uh, had mixed feelings about, well, not mixed feelings about The Long Lost Brother. Everybody kind of acknowledged that it's a terrible book. But it fucking then, sucked, yeah. People were happy to see the patronising shoulder pat on the cover. Mm, yeah, I mean, to be fair, we did say the cover was the best thing about it and that definitely rang true. Oh yeah. my God, so true. Uh, by the way, we were wondering where April Dawson 
turned up. I thought her name was familiar. Um, and Jen Cantrell said that uh, she thinks she turned up in that fatal night. Okay, yeah, honest to God, like you guys have such much better memories than we do, even though we read every one of these books. But fair play, yes, well done. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, Tracy Fox said this was the last Sweet Valley High book I ever read. I assume it was that crap I ga- meant I gave up on the series. <laughs> Uh, so she says, upside, I'm now wading into unfamiliar territory with you. Minus self of plot lines about evil twins that any self-respecting Sweet Valley High fan has at least heard about. True. Very true. As uh, <laughs> everybody has. Actually, Maria Teresa Biblioteca <laughs> said, I think I figured out who Penny's mysterious source is. Darlene! That sneaky bitch. So that makes good. perfect sense. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yes, absolutely. It has to be. <laughs> Um, we also uh, heard from uh, some listeners via email, and let's just say that uh, Yvonne Greeley shared uh, quite a menu. Can oh you describe God. it, Karen? No, I'm traumatised. <laughs> Don't make me. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to do it. Well, because Yvonne is also horrified of clams. And even more so since moving to Vancouver, Canada, she says. They have a version of a Bloody Mary here called a Caesar that people are obsessed with. But instead of tomato juice, they use clamato juice. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how horrific this shit is. I'm attaching a photo of the Caesar menu at a food place around the corner from where I live to show you the horror of this drink (laughs) and the masses of food they had on top of this clam nightmare. And it truly is a nightmare. This, I mean, it's, I guess it's it's spooky season, so I guess we're meant to be frightened by things. And I am scared of everything on this menu because <laughs> it is literally, good God, it is like yeah, a Bloody Mary made with disgusting clam juice. Uh, like, does it? Like, is it actually a Bloody Mary like with spirits in it? Because yeah, I think so. Because on top of it, <laughs> on sticks sticking out of a glass, a glass, <laughs> listeners, this is madness. It's just loads of like. Fried food. Just like an actual, a full on burger is stuck on top of one of them and a pile of onion rings. And it's so distressing. Oh, like, my, oh my God. It's actually Egg McCaesar. It's got like an oh, Egg no. McMuffin. Oh, on God. On a stick coming out of some clam juice and vodka. Oh. Oh, okay, we're going to have to share this because I can't be the only one absolutely traumatized well, by this fucking menu. So we're going to share the horror on uh, Twitter and Instagram so you can all partake in the. Uh, fucking demented lunacy that is this uh, menu because good god i th- I mean it's, it's hard to decide which is the maddest but it has to be the checkmate caesar which costs 60 dollars oh. as well as the caesar which is this disgusting clam concoction um in the glass sticking out of the glass in a sort of <laughs> terrifying pyramid teetering away are hot wings a cornish fucking gay man reminds me of freaks and geeks a pulled pork mac and cheese hot dog. Don't even know what that is. A pulled pork slider, a pickle, a giant burger, onion rings, and, and I can't even bring myself to say this. A brownie and whipped cream. What? They're all attached to each other like a sort of a terrifying Frankenstein clam monster. It- is a monster and I just I hope people in Vancouver are okay because this is not normal behaviour and I'm worried about all of you oh I'm terrified 
to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like, I don't even know what's going on. Oh, God, call the cops. What is happening? <laughs> we also heard from our Pi Beta Alpha sister, Maria Didi, and she has a theory on the marimba. Yes. So she reckons it could be like um, a zither or uh, a Chinese instrument, the guzheng, yeah. which is kind of like a zither <gasps> that normally has a stand. But like it. And when I looked it up, you know, it kind of it's like it could be mistaken maybe for a marimba if you didn't know what a marimba was and that's the type of stand and like look of it mm-hmm. could kind of slot into that. But it also has strings like the steel strings. I don't know. It could be a contender for sure. Yeah. Um. By the way, thank you, Maria. You said, I'm just going to give a plug for my sister. She, uh, Maria saw my name in the credits of a film called Deadly Cuts, which uh, was written and directed by my sis- little sister, Rachel. Um, and if you are in Ireland or the UK, I strongly recommend going to it. Um, it is uh, a riotous feminist black comedy and about hairdressers turned vigilantes against some gangsters who are very much not OTGs. Oh, well, we, we can't have it all, but it does sound great. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> listeners, we do always love hearing from you. And uh, we also love it when you uh, when you share things, uh, share images with us, like the Animal Crossing Sweet Valley. <laughs> with... Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Katie Nolan fucking knocked it out of the park because, I mean, we're all getting back into Animal Crossing, anyone who has been playing it, because it's a big update coming soon. But Katie has gone to the trouble of basically making her island into Sweet Valley. It's oh my God. stunning. Like, the levels of detail are so good. Like, her little house is done up like the Wakefield house. Oh. There is a Spanish-tiled kitchen. So there amazing. is... The Hershey bar with the proper chocolate brown walls oh. and clothes left all over the gaff, like the place is in a heap. It's perfect. There's a high school building, like it's so good. Kelly's Roadhouse is there. I just, <laughs> oh my God, we tweeted it uh, there with the dream address. So if you're on Animal Crossing, please, for the love of God, check out this island and just have an absolute blast wandering around it because it's it's stunning. Oh, the next time I'm done with my nephews because they have Animal Crossing, I am heading there. Uh, oh my god please do <laughs> ASAP because this has to be seen to be believed um, and uh, I believe that in this Animal Crossing uh, there is a uh, Pi Beta Alpha jacket there is Katie fucking designed the jacket for, so like you can download that design when you visit her island and I got it for myself so I'm now running around my own little island in my PVA jacket having a oh, great time Katie you're a genius thank you <laughs> so, so much good Oh my God, it's brilliant. Um, by the way, we also heard from Tara Rose who said that uh, the part in the last episode where Liz randomly appears uh, to give Sarah free advice only to vanish in a poof reminds her of the hilarious <laughs> story about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly where he's like, I am weed. <laughs> disappearing in a smoke bomb. So Tara says, now amusing myself by imagining Liz whispering, I am weed to all her victims so she pats them on the shoulders. <laughs> Such an, it's a fantastic image. I love it. Oh my God. It really is. Yeah. Uh, well, listeners, thank you for joining us for our Halloween's extravaganza. And of course, we will see some of you in the Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse. And if you would like to join us there next week, you could do so by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show and all this nonsense that we do. Uh, It means that you won't have to go more than a week without getting some Sweet Valley madness in your ears because the uh, PBA episodes come out in the weeks when this 
podcast doesn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you get a regular stream of um, of us basically <laughs> talking shite. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want that? Of course. So yeah, you can sign up for as little as five euros a month. So you get access to all our bonus content and all the bonus content for all the other great shows on the network as well. Uh, and you also get discounts uh, when you sign up on our lovely merch, which we still have some of. So you can yeah. go get yourself a real life Pi Beta Alpha jacket uh, or a lovely Dairy Burger tote bag over on shop.headstuff.org. It's true. You can anywhere in the world. And uh, if you need any more incentive, we are in the middle of recapping the TV show's uh, trilogy of episodes devoted to a little book called Kidnapped. Oh my God, it is all kicking off in the clubhouse, which has temporarily been renamed Carl's Shack. Yes. Uh, so, you know what? Just sign up, bring the frozen pancakes. It's going to be good. Oh, you know, so like, good. I suppose next, we're, we're edging ever closer to Halloween and I think next week's bonus episode is going to fit in real nice because uh, oh, it it's, it's, it's going down in Sweet Valley and things are getting creepy. The kidnapping is actually going to uh, occur next week because it doesn't in the first episode. Mm, they really leave us hanging, but you know what? They build the tension pretty oh, well, to be fair. They have, so they have. It's, it's a good time. It yeah. also has Liz and Winston being adorable. Oh, you love to see it. And it has, frankly speaking, what more could you possibly want? So absolutely join us over there. It's such good crack. Well, Pi Beta Alpha members, we will see you in Carl's Shack next week. <laughs> and uh, oh, I'm afraid everybody else, we're going to be back to regular programming in a fortnight, which means, because as we've said before, we have committed to exploring the strange, <laughs> terrifying world of Sweet Valley High book by book. Yeah. We're going to be... Been saying it for, we've been saying it for four years. We can't back out now. <laughs> We're going to find out what happens when I guess Michael Harris yeah. has an ish. I don't even know. Uh, something there's arty a, western. I don't know. A, there's a dirt bike involved and there's also uh, something happening to the girl they both <laughs> loved. Lovely work. <laughs> I, mean, I did my best, but really, I mean, they're not giving me very good material to work with at the moment. But so true. There is an evil twin coming. Oh, look, we're all just holding out for Margot at this stage. Oh, she can't get there soon enough. <laughs> Hurry up, Margot. <laughs> Put us out of our misery. <laughs> See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.